get it going. It's time to get up. You need to build off these these types of wins and, and not just be satisfied with just winning the first game. You know, it's kind of like I said, it's a, it's a mini playoff series, a college series, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's it's hard to do this when you know teams make adjustments. Games two and three. These guys are here to break it all down. Back to the point, the darling in and all of a sudden, brother, shut this that's the one! That's the one! Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Some people listen to music in the morning. I listen to you guys. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is game day in the city on this Wednesday, January the 27th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabolski here. Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning on Sportsnet 650. Dunbar Lumber text line, always open for business, 650-650. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. It is game day as the Canucks and Sens kick off round two of their three-game series later on, and it's an earlier start pair. Got to hustle home from work tonight as the puck drops at 5 here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Five o'clock uh, puck drop. Also should remind everybody, too, as you see it, you hear it all day on this station, but you'll see it on the broadcast. Hockey Talks game for the Vancouver Canucks, which started back uh, after the passing of Rick Rippon in 2011. So we keep that conversation going. We'll touch on a little bit more with Corey Hirsch when he joins us as well. Yeah, I don't mind the five o'clock start, and it, it becomes a battle. It's like it's like going to the P&A in the glory days when we could, and you're there, and you you, you try a game and you you think you're close, but the ball's not going in if you're trying to shoot the, the ball through the hoop. And yeah, give me another shot at it. Ottawa Senators get another shot at it today. Um, they will be much better, that's for certain. They're not better than the Vancouver Canucks as far as talent, but let's see how the Canucks are. They talked a whole bunch about it yesterday, James. They know they're going to get a pushback, so are they ready? Because if they push hard and their talent plays well, they'll be fine. And then they'll slowly prop themselves up in the North Division standing, but expect a lot more from the opposition tonight. Well, and and not only that, you're you're looking at I think as many as four changes to the roster for the Senators tonight with uh, Colin White, Cedric Paquette, Braden Coburn, uh, all expected to draw into the lineup, and uh, Marcus Hoberg uh, in goal is expected to get the start for the Ottawa Senators after getting absolutely pounded seven one on Monday night. And Matt Murray, you know what? For all the for all the the hope and optimism that you know the Senators were getting with a 26 year old goaltender who had two Stanley Cups under his belt, you know I think there was a few times over the last year and a half you kind of wondered why is Matt Murray's name getting floated out there in trade rumors for a guy who's won two Stanley Cups and is only in his mid 20s. I would say maybe with the starting, he doesn't have a lot of help in front of him, but. You're starting to see you're not getting those timely saves. It's one thing to get thrown out there to dry. It's another thing when you're not helping your own cause. And I don't think Matt Murray has really done anything to kind of win anybody over in the market in Ottawa thus far. And the Senators, as a result, have now dropped five straight games. Well, you know, you'll go back to Ryan Miller signing here with the Canucks. And the one thought process was when that signing was announced is we've got a young team in front of us and it's not going to do us any good to be playing third periods and down by three or four goals. You're going to learn when you're in a third period and you're down by one, maybe two. All right. There's still something there because as we saw the other night, it's kind of lifeless when it's meaningless hockey for the final 10, 15 minutes because you're out of it by that much. So that acquisition of Matt Murray, and I believe when we went to Ottawa just before the season was 
you know, they'll be as good as Matt Murray. Well, when Matt Murray's average, uh, it makes those last 20 minutes. There's really no learning and growing to be done by a young hockey team. So uh, we'll see. I'm not actually shocked at that, right? I mean, you can win Stanley Cups by being okay when your team in front of you is great. He was he was okay. He was he was better, but uh, to put it on him to say keep us in a lot of these games, it could be a long year for the Senators, and he's not going to help the situation. No. Uh, meantime, the Canucks uh, will try to uh, make it two wins in a row and try to take care of business. Um, and you know what? Hey, look, uh, it's been some nice support. Got a little help from their friends, uh, at least from a star player standpoint. Uh, the star's still not clicking here. Patterson's still scuffling along. Um, Besser's kind of cooled off a little bit as well. JT Miller seems a little frustrated since he's kind of jumped back into the lineup and exploded with a, a big night in his first or second night back into the lineup. But pair, uh, it was all about secondary scoring that we sometimes criticize in this market that wasn't there. Um, you know, last game, it was Brandon Sutter with a hat trick. It was Tyler Mott with a goal. Um, you're, that's not sustainable every night, but the fact is that the Canucks at some point in time, are going to need this lotto line to explode if they hope to have any sort of sustainable success this year in the All-Canadian Gord Downey division, uh, especially with a monstrous road trip looming in a week from now. It just, you know, the talented players that we have talked about and ad nauseum nationwide are talented players. They weren't one-offs. So it will come eventually. It's just a matter of how long does it last. And, you got to think, and Todd Bertuzzi talked about it, man, when you're paid to score goals and you don't, but you see everybody else chipping in, you're not happy, but you go home going, oh, all right, that's okay. Um, one of these nights, James, we're going to come back here in the morning and go, well, there it is. I think it very well may be tonight. I do believe, and we'll hear from Elliot Friedman, you know, we didn't make a whole bunch about agents being changed. Well, what does that change Pedersen's play on the ice? You got to realize for these young kids, you know, they can be 12 and 13. And someone gets associated with them and goes, hey, you know what? You might be coming into these professional waters. I'll help you through it. You know, and that's exactly what Pedersen would have had. I would think it weighs quite a lot on you that you go, hey, you know, he's been a longtime agent. A lot of guys in Sweden have him, but now I'm going to go to the big dogs. You're taking a whole bunch of money away from someone who's been around you for a while. It's not the easiest thing to do. That could have weighed on his head. Now it's out in the open. Now it appears to be done. Maybe that's something. It's going to work every time if things are not good away from work. You know, it weighs on you. And maybe that was part of what was weighing down number 40. But I do think it's coming. It's got to come. And I, I think it likely will come tonight because I don't know if it could get any worse. Well, here's Travis Green as to where things sit right now for the play of the lotto line. And, you know, at some point they got to get going, right? I think sometimes their connecting passes in the offensive zone have just been a little off or their shots have been a little bit off and that's resulting in in seeing the the analytical part of the game it's not like they were hemmed in their own zone the whole night last night yet the analytics might say otherwise that they didn't play that well and yeah i mean sometimes it's the eyeball test that kind of plays out here right um, but where where are things ultimately sit um, with this team? Look, I, I think if you look at some of the, the, the analytical numbers, and, and we'll get into this at Seaball Says coming up at 6.30, right now for Elias Pedersen, they're not very good pair. I, you know, and it's, and it's funny because the numbers, they don't add up in terms of what you've seen from the body of work from Elias Pedersen to what we've seen in what, um, you know, close to 15% of the season now gone here in this 56-game sprint. 
Well, we were at the game on Saturday. You can only see so much through the camera lens, but you can also, and JT Miller gave us an example of what he feels like when the play was nowhere near him, audible-wise, too, on Monday. But you can just tell in the body language. I, I, the analytics are there. It's made such a change for a lot of people in how you view the game and what players are doing. But I don't think you need to be the the data expert to look at a guy's body language to watch a guy try and make a move that used to be normal for him and not have the confidence to do it. And it's just amazing. If anybody could capture the, here's your, here's a drink of confidence, please take it and get ready yeah. to go. It's just not there. Does it come in one goal? Does it come in a shot? Does it come in a one-timer off the side to go, there it is? It comes in some form. It's a spark of some kind. And, and Pedersen just needs to find it. That whole line needs to find it. You're never going to hear Travis Green pull them under the bus and go, you know what, they're done. He's kind of called them out, need to be better, need to be better. There's nothing he can do to wait and go, okay, they're they're better now. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm still two weeks away before you start to hang on here. Is this a is this a case of the yips that he's never getting rid of it? And, and Pedersen's just too good a player to have that. I think you've got two games. I think you've got two games before you really want to start to kind of get rattled. And uh... well, what, But what would you do, though, James? So he doesn't score tonight and they win and he, he doesn't score – um, uh, tomorrow night, and they win. So what? All of a sudden, he's a, a fourth liner. Well, I don't think you're putting him on the fourth line, but the fact is, is that here's a guy who's completely ineffective, right? I think at some point you might want to try to shake things up. You know, you put him on a different line. We, we, hey, look, we saw a mild little glimpse of that, a mild glimpse of that at the yep. end of the second period the other night in an offensive zone faceoff against the Habs and Saturday pair, and Petey wasn't there. You know, they they loaded up for an offensive face, offensive zone faceoff. You know, there Miller went out there, Besser went out there, Horvat went out there. Petey wasn't, right? That was the first sort of whoa, here we go. This is uh, I don't see this too often, but when you think about that, your best offensive player not there for an offensive zone faceoff for a scoring chance deep inside Montreal's end. You know, it was only for, you know, a fleeting moment. But if this continues, like at some point, you can't just keep running out status quo, right? You know, you, you keep waiting for the guy to kind of shake it off. But at at some point, you know, you're going to have to try something different here. I'm not suggesting he's going to be a healthy scratch. And I don't think he's going to be necessarily a fourth-line guy. But at, at some point, you're going to have to move him around, I would think. But I just don't know where where you move him. You mm. pretty much got two lines. He's got Vertanen or Besser on the side. He skated a couple of shifts with Holglander. After that, what are you doing? You know, Zach McEwen played a couple of shifts with him, so maybe you do that. The only thing is, is if you're going to play guys who are rolling, you see him struggling a lot. You know, maybe in a tight hockey game. And I don't know if you want to send the message. You normally don't, but if it's a tight one goal hockey game and he's not playing well and he doesn't see the ice for for a few minutes uh, just because you're almost worried about it, that he's a liability. I, I don't know if we're at that point, but I just don't know what the options are other than you let a guy like that go, he'll play through it, he'll play through it. Um, because, you know, what can you do? Like, is, is he no longer going to be an NHL superstar? Uh, you haven't seen anything. And right now he plays like an average third-year player, still learning. Mm-hmm. And nothing average about his game has been associated to his name since he got game here. Uh, Tyler Mott uh, looking at this as an opportunity to build on some momentum that was generated on Monday night and hoping to take care of uh, business again tonight against the Senators. We got to build off that. Um, you know, we did some some good things. So I think we gave up some chances and some things we want to clean up. Um, but it's a step in the right direction. You know, we still got a lot of games here. 
um, two more against uh, against Ottawa, and obviously it's still a long season ahead. So we got to continue to build um, and progress. But we got to take some positivity from that game for sure. So uh, you know, you take care of business tonight. If you take care of business and win these two games against the Senators, suddenly now you're back to 500. You're five and five before heading out for a monstrous road trip that starts in Winnipeg on Saturday night. But Eric, I I just wanted to say before I went to bed last night and turned off the lights, you know, I. Watching a little bit of the Leafs and Flames, seeing the Oilers scuffling. It's nice to know that there are other teams that are getting a little antsy already in the market as well, right? You know, Calgary's suddenly going, hey, what's going on here, right? It's, I, I can appreciate that. I appreciate that other teams are uncomfortable as well beyond just here in Vancouver where a lot of a lot of other markets are kind of laughing at us right now in this market because everybody's freaking out so early in the season. You look at how the standings are now. Montreal's, you know, they've yet to lose in regulation. They should have all the confidence, and they did it on a long road trip, and now they'll be back home and they'll be okay. Toronto yesterday was great in the first period. Then you struggle and go, you know what? These guys defensively and with their goaltending, you question, but, you know, that they sit atop the standings. Winnipeg fights back against Edmonton. That story's never going to change in Edmonton. They need to outscore their problems. They don't. They have no goaltending. So, you know, not surprised at all. Calgary was terrible in their first period, but they were really good in the middle frame. Chris Tanoff looked very good yesterday. People watched that game. Yeah, needed to be, have Markstrom be fantastic. That wasn't happening there either. So, uh, you know, yeah, this is going to be the case. Figure it out. You might have two or three teams at the top, and here comes Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, maybe battling for that four. So play in Canada, lose a couple of hockey games. Everybody's scared about what's going on. So we are not alone. Get a win tonight, and everyone started to go, okay, yeah, this is going to be it, man. Get ready and buckle in because it's not going to change with all the four-point games. It is game day. Uh, James Savalski, Perry Silkowski with you here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650 Canucks and Senators tonight. It's first overall pick Wednesday here on the show. We always catch up with Jovo Kopp, Ed Jovanovski, uh, who was the first overall pick in the National Hockey League back in 1994. And Eddie will join us coming up on your Canucks commute just after 8 o'clock. And also joining us this morning, another first overall pick from 1996, former Ottawa Senators defenseman and now master brewer. Chris Phillips joins the show. Chris, good morning, sir. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? You got like maybe the best gig post hockey as a as a guy who's created beer. What it's called, Big Rig, is it not? Big Rig, Big Rig Brewery. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, we uh, one of the founders of it, and uh, it was a, a great gig. Uh, you know, had, had a lot of fun with it, but uh, have actually since sold it. You you got rid of your beer. <laughs> Well, I still buy the beer. I just don't own it anymore. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Big rig from the days, Chris. Boy, in Edmonton, probably back. Is that because of the Fort McMurray oil, oil baron roots? Was that the name? I, uh, I I think that's where it came from. Um, I, I joke with a few teammates that uh, came up with the name that uh, I was worried that it was uh, when I turned. I turned like an 18-wheeler, <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping it was more of that reference or uh, – also had family that actually worked on the on the rig, so uh, you know lots of uh, lots of connections there. It's said, a good yeah. fit. You're you're involved with the Senators, obviously with their foundations and all that. Ottawa's home. You you have been the the ultimate NHL citizen there. Um, give me a sense in that organization you know, here in Vancouver. It has been two weeks unlike any other because of the expectations on the team. 
If you're in Canada, everything is expected. Uh, what are the expectations of this young hockey team, though? Is there kind of a sense we're going to grow together with this? Well, I think uh, you know it's 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 funny being being in Canada, and um, you know you can go through the summer, and uh, I would say this is one of the the best off seasons for for Ottawa in a few years. Um, you know, with the the, the optimism uh, of the young guys that were already on the team. Um, the, the draft picks they got, the, the guys that they've, they've picked in the last couple of years that, uh, you know, are in, in university or um, in uh, Belleville. And, uh, you know, and then, and then two, two games into the season and then uh, everybody's ready to hit the panic button. But, um, you know, from, from where I sit, uh, you know, I'm really excited about this team. Uh, there's certainly going to be some growing pains. Um, you know, but but they're exciting to watch. They have a ton of talent, good character guys, um, and, and I'm really excited to see where this team's going to be at in a year or two. Is the concerning thing maybe where you, you hear DJ Smith uh, kind of piping up about his team? It, you know, it's one thing to kind of be young. It's one thing to be a little experienced. Might be a, you know something to be a little short on talent compared to some of the other heavyweights. But is it the effort maybe that sometimes that I think people in Ottawa kind of the last couple of days going, you know, we can accept, you know, the scuffling, but you got to work hard. And maybe that isn't there the other night. Well, I think uh, the wheels fell off there in the third period for sure. Um, You know, I I, I thought it was was pretty good early on in the game, Um, but but you're 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 bang on there. Um, That's what everybody expects. Um, you know, if, if they give an honest effort, um, it's certainly a lot easier to uh, forgive um, negative results, uh, at least right now while they are still, you know, growing and maturing. Chris Phillips joins us on the starting line. If you played a thousand plus games, how long does it learn? How long does it take to learn how to play in the NHL? Like I'm not taking saying it's weeks or months. Is it years before you figure it all out? Yeah, and I think. You know, even even past that, uh, you know, you have you have guys coming in from, you know, junior or Europe, and you know, I, I was, uh, you know, in in that same boat. You, you know, everybody gets points there. You know, all the guys that are, you know, often not too often, guys are getting drafted, um, you know, with no points, but they're great defensively. You know that that you kind of get molded into that, and and I think that's where. You know, some of that maturing and, and growing is is a uh, takes some time, uh, you know, to, to find that role that uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna play. And uh, you know, like I said, for me, I know I was put up decent numbers in, in junior, and I got to the NHL. All of a sudden, I was playing forward. I didn't know what to do there, um, you know, and, and developed into you know a, a defensive role and, and embraced it, and uh, you know had a had a great career because of that. And I, and I think that's where, you know, guys have to, you know, try and figure out what what their spot's going to be. You know, everybody wants to, you know, be on the power play, getting points because they're they're used to that. But uh, you know, if they can embrace, you know, being you know strong and reliable defensively, um, you know, killing penalties, and you know, all of a sudden that, uh, you know, you, you get a little more ice time because the coach has confidence in you that, uh, you know that you're not going to get scored against and, and then just having more ice time, you know, things might develop for you offensively. And I, and I think that 
that patience is the hardest thing to, to teach. Um, but you know, as, as long as, uh, you know, the pressure is, is not coming down on them from, from up top and, and they understand that it's going to take some time. And, you know, at the end of the day, if that, uh, if, as you said earlier, if that effort is there, um, then, then yeah, it, it just, it takes some time, but, but things will, will start to fall into place. Uh, you know, I, I think you're right. I think, uh, it does take a couple of years to, to really find your, your niche and where you're, where you're going to, what your role is going to be. You know, you, you look at where Tim Stutzla's at, um, and a lot of excitement in terms of what he's kind of brought to the franchise, being a third overall pick, had a great world junior. Um, and now there's kind of that early, I mean, it's early and there's already the debate whether he should be here or not. You wound up going back for an extra year of junior, if I, if I remember correctly, right? You, you had a Memorial Cup run too. Uh, like how much did that extra year in junior maybe help you looking back? You know what? It was, uh, you know, looking back, it was great. Uh, not too many people uh, remember that uh, I left kicking and screaming uh, after my uh, my first camp. That uh, <laughs> uh, I, I thought went great and uh, and wanted to stay and was ready to stay. But uh, you know, I, I went back uh, again, worked on my game, got you know bigger, stronger. Um, you know, won another uh, World Junior goal. Uh, went to the Memorial Cup, so you know it, it turned out to be uh, you know an amazing, amazing year, and, and certainly uh, you know helped me uh, you know make that uh, make that jump for sure. How different are rookies now uh, compared to when you jumped into this league? Uh, is it? Yeah, I mean, skill level is different because they've got all these academies, Chris, that they go to. But mentally, do you think they're stronger than? than they were 15, 20 years ago? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, you took the words out of my mouth on the skill. I mean, you know, the guys are, are coming in and, um, you know, it's unbelievable the things they can do with the puck on their stick. Um, you know, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to say that the game's changed because I know everybody says that, um, at, at any time that you played, um, but yeah, I, I I think I see that. I think just society in general, you know, it uh, sounds terrible, but uh, you know, you're you're kind of forced to, you know, toughen up and and, and uh, take things. And uh, you know, I, I feel like that's changing a little bit. Where you know, we have to be, uh, you know, aware of uh, you know what people are are dealing with. That uh, you know, we just. Uh, nobody really talked about back then. So there's, there's good and bad for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that is a big part of the, of the process of, of being an NHL player is, uh, is being able to handle things mentally. And, uh, you know, you, you quickly learn that, uh, although it's a game, you're in the business of winning. And if you're not winning then uh, people aren't happy and there's big things, big stakes, uh, involved, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those jobs that, uh, you know, if things aren't uh, going well, um, <laughs> you're going to be told some unkind things and, and you got to have big shoulders to be able to take that. Uh, have you had an impression at all of the uh, Canucks? Uh, it's hard not to think a little uh, every once in a while, you know, you kind of went through almost a similar sort of run that, that the Canucks have kind of got right now with all these, you know, talented young players, but, you know, there was that time where after kind of 
those tough expansion years for the Sens, you know, yourself and Alfredson and Redden and Yashin kind of finally built something that you had some momentum as a franchise. Do you see a little bit of that in Vancouver at all from your uh, outside look? Yeah, from from what I saw uh, the other night, um, you know, I'll say, you know, maybe a, you know, a, a step ahead where Ottawa is at. Um, I know there's lot, been lots of comparisons to the Ottawa team to when we sort of just got things really rolling, uh, you know, around, you know, 90, 97, 98, and had, I think it was about 13 years ago in, in the playoffs, and uh, had some, you know, draft picks that, that panned out and were tremendous players, and, you know, I think, I think Vancouver is, uh, you know, a couple of years ahead uh, of, of Ottawa, some guys that are, you know, been solid picks that, uh, you know, like you said, are starting to, uh, you know, mature into NHL players. And, uh, you know, I, you know, right across Canada, I, I kind of like this, uh, this format, this weird year where, you know, it's a, an all Canadian division and it's, and it's been exciting. And, and to see who wins, who wins it, Chris? Ooh, who wins it? Um, Montreal's looking really good right now. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, who knows? Crazy game. Anything can happen, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're looking pretty strong right now. I didn't think senators uh, or former senators, for that matter, were allowed to say Montreal as an answer, but nevertheless, you just can't, you honestly, just can't say Toronto, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Toronto's the dirtiest word of them all. Um, hey, nice to catch up with you, man. It's uh, great to hear that uh, you're doing so well off the ice after all these years. And uh, you know, don't don't be afraid if you still have friends in high places to send us over a, a case of that big rig beer out here on the west coast. All right. Right on. See what I can do. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Uh, there he is, Chris Phillips, uh, former first overall pick of the Ottawa Senators back in 1996. Played a long time, a lot of minutes uh, with the Senators and uh, kind of seeing the uh, those bumpy roads uh, that this team is uh, going through. They finally have some hope here, Perry. You, you don't want to try to lose it too soon here in terms of the struggles where I think there was some optimism, I think, despite the fact that they were going to finish last, but you're just not seeing the effort there these last few games. Yeah, uh, and for those who don't know, Chris is involved. He's kind of mending a bunch of business fences with the Ottawa Charitable Foundation. They brought him on board to be that because he's so beloved with his wife in that city there. Uh, but he made an interesting point. Hey, the effort should be there, but I, I like this point about confidence. You can be a superstar. These young guys come with a lot of skill, but then you realize it's a business, and you're going to hear some unkind things, and there's going to be a lot of weight on your shoulders when it's not going well. And we've talked about it this week. I think there you are with number 40. For the first time, PD realizes I'm not scoring, not like everybody's on his case, but he feels it. He feels it on his shoulders, and it's up to him to try and get out of it. But uh, part of the process, right, of, of going through good and bad as a young player, you can have all the skill you want, but it's how you deal with it when things don't go well. So that's what we'll see. I expect a much better game from the opposition tonight because the effort has to be better. Uh, but if you get more talented players working just as hard, then the home team should be the winner. All right, 27 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. It is game day in the city. Canucks and Senators pregame show starts at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Puck drop at 5. In a moment, we'll get into Seaball Says and when we should really start to panic about Petey's struggles. That's next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing. And listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 
633, James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski. It's game day, Canucks and Senators. And here's today's edition of Seaball Says, and he'll be fine. That's the consistent narrative we've often heard about Elias Pettersson's slow start. Don't panic. People it's easy don't to, panic. Yeah, yeah. It's totally easy to channel Big Bert and shrug it off. He's earned himself a long runway in this town, but just how much longer can we keep it up? Watching him pass up an open shot the other night on the power play reminded our starting lineup, mad genius DJ APD, of this scene from Top Gun. We could have had him, man. I'm a fire when I am goddamn good and ready. You get that? You can't get back in the saddle. Won't engage. It's only been a few days. You know, he just might not make it back. Right now, 14% of the season is played out, and PD is on pace for a 14-point season. Now, it doesn't feel like this will continue, but statistically, it's not pretty for Petey even beyond his lack of goals. His Corsi numbers are down roughly 16% from last year, translating to the Canucks playing way more without the puck when he's on the ice than before. This is also a surprise, given that the 22-year-old is starting nearly 20% of the time more in the offensive zone than last season. In short, he's chasing the puck way more than opponents are chasing him. But as many of us keep telling ourselves, Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. How much longer do we continue to play the he's fine card? When Patterson has been on the ice, the Canucks have yielded 25 more scoring chances than they've created with their offensive maestro. The numbers all suggested a market correction is due. I mean, his shooting percentage is less than 6%. He was close to finishing on 17% of his chances a year ago. It's ugly right now. And he's not the only one to experience this stumble in the early stages of his career. Nathan McKinnon's offensive output dropped by 25 points in his second year. Jerome McGinley... He saw an 18-point drop. Even Patrick Waugh saw steps backwards in his career. After winning the Stanley Cup in 1986, St. Patrick's save percentage dropped 50 points and his goals against average more than doubled in his second playoff appearance. See? Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Look, Petey is human. Every player is. And right now, it's between the ears for the kid who looked to be too cool for school. But he isn't. But for how much longer can you be patient with your best player struggling? With a six-game road trip looming against the Jets, the Habs, and the Leafs, followed by four straight against Jacob Markstrom and the Flames, the answer feels like these two games against Ottawa is all the runway he's got left. If Vancouver hopes to have any shot for the playoffs in the division, they'll need all hands on deck, especially the one many view as the chosen one. So don't worry. But by the 10-game mark, all bets are off. I feel no man, but that thing, it scares me. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line, and pair it's okay for now but man oh man there's a big road trip looming man 
Do you have like one of those uh, 1-800 junk trucks parked in front of your house? Because, man, you throw things away real quick. Like, are you giving them two more games and then there's issues? You know, Ole Olevi should never be anywhere near an NHL team. Man, you, like, can we play a little Guns N' Roses patience just for you because you don't have anything? How you can say anything is going to be normal and compare it to previous years and what we're dealing with right now is crazy. You know, we've, we've never seen Ottawa here for three and four nights. We've never seen the Habs here for three and four nights. We've never seen NHL players get to practice for 10 games, no preseason games, say go. Maybe Petey is that guy, and we know he loves to practice, works on a shot constantly, has had that taken away from him. I understand the slump, but to think his runway is two more games against Ottawa and then we're really in trouble, man, you're never going to be coaching a team like the 1-800-JUNK, throw this away, throw this away, throw this away. It's like, holy smokes, man. Like, relax. We've got a couple hundred people already up this morning on our poll question, and it simply is based on this. What do you think? How concerned are you with Petey? I'm not. He'll be fine. I'm getting nervous, freaking out, which, James, I think you're under the voting of freaking out. 61% said, I'm not nervous. He'll be fine. Man, unless we watch something crazy for two years, this guy's a heck of a hockey player. Mm -hmm. It's just the first time we watched him struggle. Do you think the Canucks can beat Montreal and Toronto on the road next week with Pedersen being MIA? Uh, yeah, if he's not a liability in the own end. I mean, if he goes in there and he doesn't score, that's unfortunate. But you've got three other lines going. What do you, you like? Know, that, you, you what, do you, have, what do you like that he's doing? It's great if he leads them, but he okay. can't be the only one. Okay. What do you like that he's doing right now? I, I, there's not a lot that I like doing, but he's not hmm. he's not hurting them. I like the fact that if he's got the pocket, you never know what he's going to come up with because I've watched it for two years. He's not but hurting. Dude, space, he's killing if, them right now, man. Like, honestly, he's killing them. And, look, this is not to sit there and be a hater on Petey, but this team will go as their best player takes them. He's got one goal, one assist, eight games. They're 3-5. and five. Pear, you were at Rogers Arena last weekend. What did you hear in the press box? The same scuttlebutt that everybody else was hearing, right? Like there is unrest in that organization right now, and the narrative this week has been, man, are the Canucks really considering punting on Jim Benning? Like if Pedersen's a point-of-game player right now, are they still 3-5? and five? Probably not, right? If this guy's generating offense and generating goals, this is probably a different story, right? And maybe he's going to get out of this funk, but you got a four-game series against the Flames coming up after this road trip next week. That's a bear of a road trip. Montreal that absolutely kicked the crap out of the Canucks. And then you've got the Leafs for three next week as well. And, I mean, look, the Canucks aren't winning those games if your best players aren't part of that along for the ride. It's just not sustainable for a team to try to claim a playoff spot in this division where every night is the proverbial four-point game. Four-point games are massive. Bo, has Bo Horvat maybe been their best player, has been there since day one this year? Right? He's just grinding it out, right? Bo's been there. It, it shows in the scoring in the NHL scoring. Have we not had this conversation? Man, Bo Horvat's got to get going. Bo Horvat's got to get going. We need more from Bo. We talked about it. He went 20-plus games without scoring. Now, you could go, well, you know, Bo's shutting down the top guys on the other end, so he's doing something for you. Petey doesn't have all that in the game, but why shouldn't he be susceptible for going into a slump like he has? Shocking part is, James, you know what? If Petey would have come out of the gates and scored six goals in the first six games, 
And then for the next five, done absolutely nothing, we wouldn't be having this conversation because, well, there it is. So because it comes out of the gate, as Brandon Sutter said, it's the one thing you're always going to have a tough patch. Because unfortunately for us, ours came right out of the starting blocks. Makes it that much tougher because we can't refer to, hey, the beautiful moments in this short season. We haven't had them yet. Petey will have those moments, man, to think that he's got to do something against this Ottawa team because when he goes to Montreal, if he's terrible, this team isn't going to win. It's a better hockey team than just number 40, right? He'll help them. He makes them a, a Stanley Cup contender. But to think that his slow start with what's going on in his mind, and trust me, if you're going to get rid of an agent and say you're not going to make the millions on this $30 million that I'm going to sign, but I'm a really good guy, you probably have a little party. He goes, oh, that's pretty crappy that I've got to do that to the guy. That could weigh on you. You're losing the puck, so you don't have confidence going back to the bench. That could weigh on you. But to think that this guy has completely lost the skill and that if his runway short and we're not going to get it done, man, then trade him now, I guess. Good thing you're not in charge of this hockey team. I'm not saying trade him, but I'm just telling you it is not sustainable for this team to have success with Pedersen struggling the way he is. You think you think this team can make the playoffs with Pedersen playing the way he is this year? No. No, no. But exactly. I also don't so, think but, but, he's so, going to yeah. play like this okay. for, for the, the next four months. Mm-hmm. You're telling me you've got two days left to figure it out, two games. So it's going to be trouble. Well, I think I think it will be much more concerning when you get on the road. I, I think it's easy to not stress too much against the Ottawa Senators right now. But I think it'll be much more of a different story when you get into Montreal and Toronto next week and if Petey's still struggling. And you know what? And if because he's not, he's then, then it's not a concern. Yeah. Because but at this you point, think he's intimidated It's Montreal? Shouldn't he have been intimidated against St. Louis? Shouldn't he have been intimidated against Las Vegas? Didn't he win you over in the summertime when people were starting to hack him? And we talked to her on this radio station. Said, you know what the great thing about this playoff run is? Now it's this so-called playoff hockey, heavy hockey. And there's Pedersen giving it right back to him and going, I don't care if this is playoff hockey. I'm ready to play it. Did he look Didn't comfortable against guy? Ottawa? Like, does he not exist? Did he look comfortable against Ottawa the other night? No, he's not comfortable right now, James. Yeah. He's losing confidence. He's lost it. Okay. But it's not like he's never been there before. Right? I mean, confidence is what the NHL is all about. And for the yes. first time, he's lost it. Mm-hmm. And he's going, man, I've never lost confidence before. What do I do? Well, keep on doing. You're actually pretty good. Okay, well, when's that going to happen? Well, I just heard James Zabalski on the air on our official home of the Canucks. He says, I'm done in two more games. No, 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 James is wrong. As people have been texting in going, you're crazy today. Thanks for me being the voice of reason. No, listen, it's tough to watch because it's a young guy, but it's going to happen all the time. Tyler Toffoli, we could go back to tapes last year against when he was playing for the Kings going, geez, this guy won a Stanley Cup. Shouldn't he be scoring? Nope. Comes to Vancouver and all of a sudden you go, wow, look at the confidence. Tanner Pearson. And these guys aren't in Petey's level. Not playing well in Pittsburgh before he gets traded. Was it his thumb? Did he lose confidence? He comes here, scores a couple goals right away. But you don't it's see that. It's just for the first time we're yeah. seeing it, James. But you, uh, Yes, but I don't think you're, it's the other elements that you don't see either, right? You're not seeing, you know, it's one thing if he's playing that two-way game that he was starting to show flashes of last year. You're just not seeing it right now. I think that's the concerning thing all in all. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line, it is blowing up right now. We'll get to some of that. And also in a moment, Pear, we got a whole lot of non-BS stuff for you, right? You started with just a bunch of BS. <laughs> you leave it at that. We'll explain next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day. People hating. We're right. It's the passion that unites us all here on Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. 
sort of. We call BS. You want it. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Just a little PS for you on this Wednesday morning. His performance on the ice has been okay, but behind the mic, it's been excellent work with the media for the Canucks, Nate Schmidt. Hear this yesterday. Man, going streaking like uh, Frank the Tank, you know. <laughs> going streaking is the best. Uh, it's, uh, that's the best part about this game. It's it's when things are going right. And uh, and you, you need to build off these, these types of wins and, and not just be satisfied with just winning the first game. I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of like I said, it's a, it's a mini playoff series, a college series, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's it's hard to do this when, you know, teams make adjustments, games two and three. Man, when you can drop Frank the Tank, that's great. Schmidt also went on to say yesterday, James, that after the hat trick for Sutter, he just felt bad because there's no one there. So he was trying to figure, well, how can I help him out? And it's late at night. He goes, I, I wanted to order him like a McFlurry, but then I couldn't find his address. This guy's going a million miles an hour, sometimes too much on the ice, but certainly enjoys being in front of a microphone. You know, to just kind of listen to him yesterday um, and just kind of breathe uh, a little bit of fun, uh, it's there. It's a fun personality. I think he's still trying to find his way, though, and being a real voice in that room, being a relative newcomer, what, with less than 10 games under his belt pair. Uh, P.S. Two days after processing things, yesterday Aaron Rodgers tried to clear the air about, eh, will he be back in Green Bay? Now, obviously, after the season that I had and, um, you know, potentially win an MVP and, you know, we That's obviously fun. made it to another good run, I don't think that there's any reason why I wouldn't be back. But, look, I think there's, there's not many absolutes, as you guys know, in this business. Hey, he's just being honest. There's no absolutes. They drafted a quarterback, but Green Bay yesterday said, listen, you think we're crazy? Of course Aaron Rodgers is coming back. He is. I don't think he finishes his career as a Packer, though, James. Well, you drafted Jordan Love first overall, right? And you took him last year, and I think a lot of people question that move organizationally when you got somebody like Aaron Rodgers. It might take a few more years, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to finish playing anytime soon. He's still one of the best options in the National Football League. I guess the question is when, but, it, you know, he was, well, I don't know what my future is a couple days ago. Man, there's a finicky side to Aaron Rodgers, but I will say this. As a long-suffering Bears fan, I would take him on my team. I'd be willing to forgive and forget. I'll take him. Yeah, you, you talked about Matt Murray earlier. He's got a couple of Stanley Cups there. Aaron Rodgers goes, he's only got one Super Bowl. Can't finish the big ones. Hey, P.S., the YouTuber, Jake Paul, he's got his UFC fight, not with Conor McGregor. But Ben Askren, who predicts the following? I think it won't be more that, like, I, I hit him and he goes down, but I think it'll be more like over the course of the eight rounds, he realizes, holy shit, I'm in a fight. I don't really like this. I'm some spoiled rich kid. Um, and I'm just going to find an easy way out. Askren didn't say how much he is being paid, but it's bigger than anything he ever got while fighting for the UFC. Money talks, man, and uh, he had that he had the crazy knockout last year, right? The the flying knee kick. Uh, if you haven't seen it, just just give it a look uh, for Ben Askren. Yeah. But money talks, man. Why not? And and man, these kids have have clearly struck a nerve with people wanting to watch 
mouthy yappers get their asses kicked, right? I mean, this is like the old school that Muhammad Ali figured out this success 50 years ago. Gorgeous George did this 70 years ago in wrestling. People want to see people get their ass kicked. Oh, that is exactly it. And P.S. Finally. She's gone. She's gone. Oh, I. Oh, I. I better learn how to face She's gone. She's gone. A post by Pamela Anderson yesterday, a picture of her saying goodbye to social media and more than a million plus followers saying she's never been interested in it. She has settled into life, generally inspired by reading and being in nature. She is free. Let's hope everyone finds the strength and inspiration to follow your purpose and try not to be seduced by wasted time. All they want is your money. Profound from Pam. Who's off uh, social media, apparently. You know, it's it's not Maneater. Uh, it's not out of touch. But, man, it's such a such a forgotten classic from Hall & Oates there. She's gone. It is. That's all you got to say about it. It uh, is. It I don't is know, man. I, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> following Pam Anderson to begin with. I mean, I, I certainly watched some Baywatch back in the day. but yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. But there you go. The best part of that story was hearing a little classic from Hall & Oates. That's no BS. That's just BS, everybody. I wouldn't have complained if you hit the Baywatch theme, which is a total guilty pleasure 80s uh, track, by the way. Uh, five minutes to uh, 7 o'clock. We're going to catch up with our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, Corey Hirsch, in just a few minutes. Elliot Friedman uh, with some interesting thoughts on the program yesterday with Satin Walks on some possible defensive help that might be out there on the market for the Vancouver Canucks. And we'll get to the Dunbar Lumber text line, which is hopping mad already weighing in on uh, our discussion from earlier this morning. It's all ahead. It's game day. Canucks and Senators right here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. You need to build off these these types of wins and, and not just be satisfied with just winning the first game. You know, it's kind of like I said, it's a, it's a mini playoff series, a college series, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's it's hard to do this when you know teams make adjustments. Games two and three. These guys are here to break it all down. Back to the point, the dolly in and all of a sudden, brother, shut this that's the one! That's the one! Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Some people listen to music in the morning. I listen to you guys. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. All right, three minutes after 7 o'clock. It is game day in the city. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski here on the starting lineup. Canucks and Senators round number two set for a 5 o'clock puck drop. Corey Hirsch, our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, will join us coming up here in uh, about seven or eight minutes from now. A lot of people jumping in here on the Dunbar Lumber text line already bright and early this morning at 650-650 here, Pear. Uh, yeah, they are. And uh, it, it stems, we had a conversation about Pedersen. And it's kind of the poll question, like, where is the panic button here? And I think the great thing is, uh, and Chris Phillips, who joined us in the in the opening hour of the, the Ottawa Senator, Greg, just said, hey, man, you're going to find out there's a lot of pressure and, and dealing with the business of it. And I think that's been exactly it for two weeks for Petey, the business side of it, changing agents, a, a, someone who's probably been an advisor since he was a young man, taking him to these heights and saying, yeah, I'm going to make a change. And then the pressure of getting off to a slow start. You don't have JT Miller. It's all added up. It's turned to him not finding any confidence. You think he's got this week to turn it around before you go into big, bad Montreal again. James, I just think you got to give him a little more time. You're waiting, you're waiting. 
but I don't think there's a massive concern that number 40 has lost all hockey skills. Uh, hockey Jedi Jeff at 650-650. Thank you, Perry, for being the rational voice of reason. This market doesn't need any more panic pushers. Uh, another text coming in here. Uh, team's not going to make the playoffs with the amount of turnovers everyone is giving up. Torgy and Langley suggesting that, uh, you know what, at this point in time, all PD needs is one dominant game, picks up a goal, strong plays defensively. It's all in confidence, and that's it. Maybe he'll thrive on the road playing the Habs and the Leafs. He probably will. So there's some optimism there. Uh, how about this one, Pear? Uh, James definitely isn't crazy. I'm glad a Vancouver media member is not riding Pedersen's jock. Well, no, I listen, he hasn't been good. I just think you had the 1-800-JUNK van loaded up going, he's got two days, two more games, figure it out. Uh, I don't, I listen, do you, do you think people have been, have been okay with Petey? Like, I think he's, he's getting the heat as a player should when he's not scoring. But I do also think the fact that it's been a strange two weeks right from the start uh, buys him a little bit of an alibi. Now everybody else is in the same boat. Maybe he has just been wired differently that he can't figure it out. Like, Horvat compared his slump to Petey's, and he's just like, like, that's unfair. I mean, he's so good. You know he'll get through it. We're just telling him, hey, there's there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Just a matter of where that is. Uh, Jay, Lady Smith, uh, on the Dunbar-Lumber text line at 650-650, you're losing it, Seaball. Petey's going to be fine. Freaking out about Petey having a tough start is like freaking out and switching Tim Horton's locations after messing up your coffee a couple of times. Jay, you don't do that? How many times do you how many times do you accept a, a bad coffee? Corey in Union Bay, Petey's still playing well despite having no puck luck or putting up points. He's always been all over the ice. No, he hasn't just started falling this year. He's still playing great two ways, making tons of passes and contributing overall. It'll come, and you guys will eat your words. I don't know if I see that two-way play and making lots of great plays right now, Pear. I, I, look, do, do I think at some point he's going to snap out of it? Yes, I do think so. But I think it's okay to be concerned when your best player isn't that guy for a significant chunk of the season. And what? We're, we're coming up on a, a fifth of the season here in a, in a couple of, you know, <laughs> just a couple of days here. So I think we're getting a pretty good sample size already, and it's a tough start. But I think it's okay to be concerned in terms of what – because you don't see that. Like the body language is down right now, Pear. Would you not agree with that? Yeah, but, but Jim from Ladner, I want to read this text too and, and keep him coming on the conversation on the Dumber Lumber text line because Jim makes a point here and it's kind of like we are focused PD, PD, PD. Last year, JT Miller set Pedersen up on most of his chances and goals. I see the trouble with this line. It's Miller. He's struggling. When Miller plays well, so will Pedersen. You know, I, I, he's not wrong, right? And it's not like JT Miller has been hiding it. You heard it in the second period after a bad penalty what he thought of his own play. But yeah, PD is not a vocal guy, so he's not going to say a whole bunch. But JT Miller is the guy that gets this thing going. And JT Miller, you know, if you forget, he was well-deserved of the Unsung Hero Award last year, which was just a bunch of crap. He was their MVP, argue with it. He was no unsung hero. He was absolutely outstanding. He needs to get better. In turn, Pedersen gets better. Both of them, I think, are struggling, but we're almost focusing more on number 40 because we're not sure. He's so young. Can he get through it? It's all on skill. I love her uh, chiming in. Perry is right. James, do you flip all your players in your fantasy leagues too? Would you trade Malkin right now? Shush, James. Shush. 
and the fact that James started my morning saying that Perry is the mind of reasons makes me want to climb back into bed. It's a tough start to a Wednesday for some people here. Elliot Friedman was on the program last night with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah here on Sportsnet 650. Friedman weighed in on some of the conversations surrounding the future of Jim Benning and the possibility that there might be some defensive help out there for the Canucks. Take a listen. I think that when you make panic moves, especially now, you can't, you know, you can send yourself on a a situation where you can't recover. And, um, you know, I think that you only have one choice in, in, uh, in this COVID year, and that is to either completely give up or just march into the headwind and deal with it as best you can. And I don't think the Canucks are completely giving up, nor should they. And so I think they're going to try to march into the headwind and solve it themselves. Now, there's a couple defensemen out there I wonder about. Uh, Victor Mete in Montreal. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, Dermot's a scratch tonight in Toronto. Um, you know, uh, and, and Vince Dunn in St. Louis, who I think is available. He comes with a, with a lar- longer quarantine, obviously. Um, you know, I, I don't know the answer to all this. I, I, I'm sure that the Canucks are looking around to see if there's some help they can get, but it's, there's no guarantees you're getting it. Um, I think your only choice is to just say, you know what? This is our group. This is what we've got, and we're going to try to make it work. Well, and the reality of trying to go after guys like that, and I'm sure – you know, you're going to be trying to improve the defense going after guys like Mete and Vince Dunn. But what do you think the cost is to get that done? Like, I know you can't give a perfect price on what it's going to take, but what do you think those teams are looking for? Is it a player or is it more draft picks slash prospects? Well, I, I heard that one of the things St. Louis was looking at was a first rounder. Now, that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get it, but, you know, they're going to look for it. So they have a high price on it. Um, I don't know, like, I'm not even convinced. I, I like, I know Toronto had some Dermot discussions last year. Like there was talk, I think Florida had interest in him, but I, I, obviously it didn't go anywhere. And I don't know where they are uh, right now, if they're even looking at it. I just know that he's a scratch tonight. Mete's situation, I, I'm not sure what's going on there in terms of Montreal's will to move him. But he's a good player who can't get into the lineup on a good team, and he obviously wants to play. You know, the Canadians are smart enough to know that putting him on waivers, you're losing him for nothing. So, like, I don't think the price would necessarily be as high as done, but it would still be something. I could see Mete in particular being of interest to Vancouver. I think he's making 735 this year or something like that. But in some ways, that may only increase his trade value. So... You know, Sat, like, I'm not convinced that that kind of help is coming. I'm sure they're looking at it. But, you know, you may be, you may just have to deal with what you've got. So there's Elliot Friedman on the program last night. Uh, Mete, Dunn, Dermot, possible. Look, I, I don't know how much somebody coming from the U.S. after a two-week quarantine is going to help this team because two weeks, that's a lot of games, Pear. Right, I mean that's two weeks. That's close to ten games. Like the Canucks dropped the puck on this season two weeks ago tonight. Right, they played eight yeah. games. This is their ninth game of the season by the end of the night. 
right? And that's in, in two weeks. So, I mean, to try to make a move for somebody south of the border, I mean, that's that's a big chunk of the season that you're without that player. If you're trying, I, I just don't know where they'd have the flexibility to try to make a move. Mete's intriguing because he's young and he's affordable, but um, I, I think they probably want somebody with a little more experience to try to bring some stability to this team, which is surprising, Pear, because I think we were both on the same page. Like the defensive struggles that this team's had, I think we thought, both of us, on paper, that this might be the deepest blue line that the Canucks have had during the Jim Benning era. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I can remember the Ole Olevi miscue that he had. Um, honestly, it's not like, you know, it, it's much easier to remember the Quinn Hughes mistakes, the Tyler Myers mistakes, the forwards mistakes, you know, at the opposition blue line that have come back to haunt them. Um, then going, you know what, it's Jalen Chatfield. He was turnstile. You know, Brogan Rafferty made a mistake, yes, in his first period that he had played. You get Chatfield likely back today. You know, you make a trade and it takes two weeks. Well, you know, Travis Hamannick's going to come back at some point. James, I'm like you. We saw the blockbuster on Saturday because of two personalities that needed to be moved and a point in the season where both those teams said, you know what, if we've got to play six games before these guys are in our lineup, that's okay because neither want to be at their respective teams. So the Jets pull off the deal with Columbus. But, man, I, I think the likes of Elliott reporting on trades, they will be few and far between this year unless there seems to be some fit. And do you want to trade within your division in the North Gord Downey division? You're probably not looking at doing that. So there's your two-week window. I don't think there'll be a lot. I mean, more injuries, maybe you look at it. You're always seeing what's out there. But I think for the Canucks, it'll be like Elliot had said. You know, here's what we put together. Hopefully we stay healthy, and hopefully these young guys get the experience. Minutes will be okay. Um, you know, with Jordy Ben back, there is some more NHL experience now. Jordy Ben saving everything and, and making the, the plays with Quinn Hughes and being that guy. I'm not so sure that's what you thought, but I think they'll be better just like this team will be better than what we've watched in the first couple of weeks. Uh, Corey Hirsch uh, is scheduled to join us here momentarily. Is uh, Hershey with us here bright and early uh, on a game day, putting in some extra hours? How you doing, Hershey? I'm doing good. What's going on, kids? Lots, hey? Lots, Lots all of the drama. Happening. Lots all of, the drama. Uh, we, should, we should mention first things first that uh, Corey Hirsch here on Sportsnet 650 is a presentation of manifest practical counseling that helps guys get a grip on life's challenges, improve your level of function. See manifest.me to get it all started. Um, a step in the right direction for the Canucks on Monday, but I guess in some respect, is it fool's gold when it comes at the expense of the Ottawa Senators, or is this something to kind of be encouraged by? Um, I still think they're one of the better teams in the division uh, and just as competitive. I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's fool's gold. I think, uh, yeah, Ottawa, Ottawa's going to have a tough time winning 10 games this year. I, I, I will say that just because the, you know, you don't get to play any of the other teams around the league that are a little bit, you know, in a bit of a weaker division. Um, so it, that's going to be tough on them, but it, it's a confidence boost. And I still think the Canucks are a really good team. Uh, they just got to get, they got to put it together, get it together. So I wouldn't call it fool's gold, but I wouldn't exactly say, uh, you know, that it, it, everything's all, it, it's all back and they're going to make the playoffs after beating the Ottawa Senators seven to one. Hershey, the catchword for so often in pro sports in the last three or four years has been the process. You know, Travis Green has said, hey, sometimes you play good hockey games, you lose. And sometimes you win some when you don't play that well. It almost seems like 
we've taken that out of the picture this year because everything's so important so quick and it's going to happen so fast. But are we not seeing a team just going through the process of trying to figure everything out with some new players and one in a little bit of a slump and, okay, he missed because of COVID and now we're back and we don't get to practice? I mean, I know a lot of people are in that same boat, but the Canucks have played a lot of hockey and I think they are in the middle of a process right now, aren't they? Yeah, they well, they need practice time, no question. I mean, you can't. They they really didn't have it. They didn't get it. But it, to what's troubling to me is there's some individuals that um, that are kind of not on board, uh, just watching, right? And it's that that's kind of you, you can see that. Um, uh, I I it really bothered me uh, the other night, and it bothered a lot of people. I think watching JT Miller slam a stick around the ice, you know yelling obscenities and taking bad penalties when the team was winning. Um, you know, and that, that bothers me because that's like, okay, well, so the team's winning, but you're unhappy with your play and you're not getting any points. So um, you're going to be kind of like all pouty pants. You know, it's like, uh, you just, you don't do that. Um, that, that you, you got to be happy that you're winning regardless. And if you're not happy with your own game, go home and smash stuff in your own house. Um, you know, but don't, don't do that to your teammates. You're, you're a leader. Uh, and I, and I, I said that on air and, and it, that, that was disappointing to me. And, and Pedersen's kind of been the same way a bit, you know, like, um, you know, you, you, you can make a, a, a bad play or whatever, but, you know, to be upset about it in a, in a game where your team is winning and, and, you know, about your own game, I, I, that to me is like, you know, what are you, what do you, are you, are you here to win or are you here for you? So um, that's got to be sorted out in their locker room. And I, and I know Travis Green and the coaches, they don't put up with that crap. Like, so I'm sure there's been some meetings over the last couple of days about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll kind of see what happens and where it goes tonight. Corey Hirsch with us here on Sportsnet 650, inspiring me to start smashing stuff in my house and uh, yeah there we go get we're making it look mean here uh um from a goaltending standpoint you've been a goalie coach in this league uh prior to being a teammate of ours um uh, do you like the way that it's being deployed in goal between holtby or demko or would you like somebody to get a consecutive start here tonight how do you how would you approach these next few games yeah you gotta play demko tonight you got to get somebody to, to grab the reins and Demko's the guy. So this is what we've been waiting for, for Demko to play a game like that and heat up a little bit. So you don't want to just put them right back on the bench. Um, maybe they will though. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe they want Demko to earn it. So I mean, it is back to back, right? Boldly does play, yeah. but um, I think you got to give Demko the start. I, I definitely think he's got to get the, the game to, to play tonight. He did. He earned it. Uh, Holtby hasn't, hasn't, uh, you know, hasn't earned it. So at least one guy grabbed it. And I think you, you give Demko the start. Why not? Yeah, I agree with you, but I wonder if he's just planned this whole thing out that you, you can't give it. You know, I want to get back to, to Miller because I think your take is interesting because I certainly didn't see it that way. And you would know better than me. I saw that as a guy going, we're winning and I'm doing absolutely nothing to help you guys. You don't think it's viewed that way? No. I've, I've been I've been in locker rooms, enough locker rooms, and played with enough guys that do that, and you're pissed as a teammate. Um, you are, eh? Yeah. You're like, that's selfish. Uh, and it's, uh, um, you know, because you the, the first and foremost thing that you care about as a team is you, you care about the win. Secondly comes you, right, and your own game. Um, and 
it's like uh, you just you just don't do that and, and that's kind of like an unwritten rule um i've played with guys where you know <laughs> you know you win a game and they don't get a star and they're they're po'd or, or whatever you know it's like well what's more important you or the team and that is uh uh that is not cool in the hockey world and in the locker room um and guys don't like it so um that's for them to deal with internally uh and that's for jt miller to deal with you know i i get it guys get you can give guys a mulligan sometimes they get frustrated and um you know uh and and do things like that but um first and foremost is the team second is the name you know it's it, there's that saying you know it's the uh, it's the the crest on the front is more important than the name on the back right and that's um that's kind of how guys view it it is uh it's also a, a night that probably hits home uh for a lot of people and especially in the canucks organization pair uh, or and pair and, and Corey for that matter but it's uh hockey talk tonight um which um you know I feel like more and more we are learning more about mental health. And this is the time of the year where I feel like through Bell Let's Talk, everybody kind of focuses on it. But it's but it's a year-round thing, and especially this year in a world of COVID, I think, you know, talking it out is probably more important than ever, eh, Corey? No, no question, especially with COVID right now. And um, it, it's a great day today for, for everybody to, to bring awareness. And, and James and it's uh, Perry, I always, I always say that I appreciate you guys and your support and, and Rogers and Sportsnet have always been really good to me. And, and uh, you know, Bell and uh, Rogers are rivals. And today's the day where, where they come together and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, agree on, on you know, uh, supporting people with mental health. I think that's really cool. I think that's a place that I never thought, you know, 25 years ago that we would be at, like when I was at my worst and I was that wasn't doing well and, and didn't really want to go on. I mean, I never imagined a day like Bell Let's Talk Day. Uh, you know, it just didn't exist in my mind that, that we would come to a point where people are actually acknowledging mental health and, um, you know, trying to remove the stigma. We still have a long way to go. Uh, but today's days like today and hockey talks tonight and, and um, all those uh, all those great things and great moments um, are going to change things. And, uh, you know, uh, lastly, you know, I can talk about this for hours with you guys, but, um, you know, w w I need your help. Uh, you know, I advocate for mental health and, and listeners out there. I need your help. There's a kid out there right now that's contemplating ending his or her life. Uh, and, um, you know, we need the help to 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 you know, put a dent in the suicide numbers that we have um, and, and, and really educate our kids and give them the opportunity to, to let them know that there is a better life out there that, um, you know, reach out, get the help. It's there, it's available. There's kids helpline, uh, lots of uh, different suicide hotlines, everything uh, out there. And, and um, you know, uh, I'm living proof. It does get better, James. I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, you guys uh, <laughs> look at me and agree that I'm not a crazy old goalie, but uh, it, it does get better. I'm living proof of that. But Hershey, we have so many young people that look up to star athletes, no matter what the sport. You were so courageous when you told your story. Do you not think we are seeing more athletes? Tyler Mott talked about it last year that we're we're seeing these athletes, you know, open up and realize, yeah, you know what? You may enjoy my goals and assists, but when I leave the rink, I've got troubles just like everybody else. Uh, they've come a long way and athletes have come a long way. Haven't they? They, they really have. Um, you know, and it's, it, uh, it's great to see because nobody should have to hide in, in shame. And, and, um, you know, there, there's still a bit of a mentality that 
the more money you make, the less problems you should have. And, and we saw that with Tuka Rask in the bubble last year where, you know, uh, people were like, you know, what do you have to be upset or depressed about? But the depression and anxiety know no boundaries. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, lawyer, construction worker, um, you know, a, a teacher. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you've got $400 million in your bank or $10 in your bank account. Um, mental health does not discriminate. And, you know, we, we need to get to a point where, uh, you know, we all believe in that and, and mental health is health. So, um, you know, we're, we're getting there, but we still have a long way to go. Well said. Um, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for jumping on bright and early. And uh, you got an early one tonight. Uh, very civilized with a five o'clock. I do. Drive. Five o'clock. Got to go to the dentist. Oh, hey, boy. That sounds like, a, that, now that, you know, that yeah. sounds like a bag skate of a different kind. <laughs> uh, my, the old hockey player front tooth fell out yesterday. So. Oh, no. Yeah, or the other day. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm handsome. Right now with one missing front tooth. Making so. it look mean. Thanks, Hershey. Take care, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Hershey. Thanks, guys. Uh, there he is, Corey Hirsch, uh, presentation of Manifest, uh, our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst. And a reminder, it is Hockey Talks tonight at Rogers Arena. Uh, it started uh, 10 years ago uh, with the passing of Rip, Rick Rippin, and uh, players will be wearing Hockey Talks T-shirts and helmet decals on game day tonight against uh, the Ottawa Senators. So, um, yeah, and Corey certainly uh, living proof that, uh, hey, you know what, people can be impacted by mental health struggles, but you can bounce back. But, it, you know, it doesn't discriminate, Perrin. That's uh, certainly mm-hmm. something that we've uh, we've seen uh, more and more, especially over the last several years here. Yeah, you know, uh, hashtag sick, not weak, hashtag same team, uh, all on social media today. And, Hey, you go back, um, you know, the passing of Rip Rip and, and you know, Kevin Bieksa joins us every Monday, such a, a buddy of his. Uh, and, and credit to this Canucks organization, man, we sit and stew and ponder what moves they have made as far as players, what they need to do, who they sign and don't sign. Of uh, an organization, this community, there is no doubt they have been champions and uh, they were going to take the tragedy of Rick Rippon and make sure they could help and uh, don't question anything they have done. Hockey talks and everything that they have done, mind checks and all that, uh, uh, they have been true to their word and continue with it. So watch the game tonight. Listen to it all day. You can hear it, of course, somewhere in the official home of the Canucks. But uh, keep in mind, right, uh, you need to talk, especially in these times. So strange for so many people. Uh, Talking is a good thing. So uh, keep it in mind, hockey talks today. 26 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this game day. It's the Canucks and Senators here on your home of uh, the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 in a moment. We'll see through the eyes of a Stanley Cup winner. Mr. Fix-It, Ken Priestley, who won a couple of cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He'll dive in on what he's seeing from the Canucks, and we'll do that next. It's game day. Canucks and Senators here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. It's time for Mr. Fix-It. Brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. 7.32, Sobalski, Solkowski, the midway mark of the starting lineup. It is game day as the Canucks and the Senators collide. It's a 5 o'clock puck drop, 3, game, uh, three o'clock pregame show here on Sportsnet 650. And Mr. Fixit, Stanley Cup winner, Ken Priestley. Better put your hard hat on this morning, man. We got to talk. How are you, sir? Good. Yourself? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, okay, give me uh, give me your sense. You played for a winner. You played on some teams that have scuffled along the way as well, based on the fact that you played in both Pittsburgh and Buffalo. What are you seeing from this team right now? You know what? It's, it's funny. I was I, I was sitting in my car for 
half an hour today. So I actually had probably 20 minutes to listen to your show. Thank you. Uh, before I actually came on. Is and it not the first time, though, I hope, Ken? Well, no, not the first. No, I, I, I would be. Uh, I'm, I listen to a lot of it when I go to work, but uh, there's some days that I just don't get much of it. But uh, on Wednesdays, right. usually I have a few things to do, and uh, and and today I didn't, so I'm listening. But uh, there's a few good points on that text line. There's there's a lot of people out there that are showing some passion and uh, and and giving some uh, some grief to other players that uh, that I didn't expect. But uh, the thing that the thing that got me was Hershey's comments there where. He was he was disappointed with Miller and 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 his actions on on the ice yes. the other night. And you know what? Like it it kind of James and I were talking a couple of days ago about the chemistry of teams and how important chemistry of teams are. And the it it it's coming. It's it's like almost like growing pains. I think right now is last year when we had that bubble situation where the Canucks were. Everybody was excited. They were playing well. Everybody was on on point. It was. It felt so good. And as a fan, it looked so good. You were so proud to be a fan. And blah 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 blah. This year, it's a little bit different, right? But you don't you don't really know what you've got until it's gone in in a certain situation. And you've lost a couple of key players that have been in the organization for a long time. And Chris Tanev and and Jacob Markstrom, who put in endless hours of work and hard work, and they played lots of uh, games and 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 got through lots of injuries and all that kind of stuff. There must have been something that those guys brought to that room that was kind of just something that brought everybody together, because it's contagious when you watch a player like Chris Tanev block a shot, whether he blocks it in his always his skate or his pants, or his mouth, which happened a couple of times. I mean, you see a player like that who puts it all out in the line every game, and and that's contagious, right? And and I don't think there's anybody that's going to argue that says he wasn't healthy or, you know, he wasn't consistent enough playing games. But, you know, when that guy played, he brought you something that not everybody can do. And And Jacob Markstrom, the same thing as a goalie. I mean, he's your last line of defense and he made some saves and kept people and kept teams in games and he made some saves where he shouldn't have been making uh he made it confident for defense to think okay i can make this extra player i can hang on to this puck for a little bit longer those are the types of things that that make teams bigger they make them stronger right they make them they make them think that they can win and they can do anything at all costs so I think that is a little bit. There's still guys in there. Bo Horvat obviously is your leader. You got Pedersen and Besser and and uh, JT Miller who are your scorers. And and yes, they are struggling a little bit at the moment. But there's nobody that is feeling it worse than those guys. And 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 I think if you listen to Hershey talk and it's coming out, you can see it. They're frustrated. And if that's what you get from JT Miller, at least you know he's 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 angry. There's no question. And he's probably not being, I would say, selfish. He's probably just frustrated, and he probably shouldn't have brought it out in that way. But he did. But so well, and and that's Ken, and that's what I wanted to ask because I never interpreted like that. I interpreted JT Miller as, you know what, everybody's playing well, and I'm doing nothing to help you guys here. Like, and I'm pissed at myself, and I apologize for how I'm playing. That's how I read it. Now, to your point. JT Miller, we saw that great introduction in the playoffs. He's reading the lineup. He's got these guys going. 
Do you think, as Hershey suggested, that kind of in the room and even the coaching staff may go to a JT Miller and go, I understand it, but now your role is different. Keep it inside, do it somewhere else. Or would it have bothered you as a teammate? I think it bothers you too if it's consistent, right? I think there's more guys that are about to go up to JT Miller and pat him on the pads rather than go and and rip him a new one just because of that particular time. It was bad timing. You know, unfortunately, I didn't see the game. I was coaching that thing that 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 night, and and so I'm I'm listening to Hershey here talk about it. But I've been in that situation that he talked about there, where you're in a room, and and in hockey, the the players are different, right? It is there's a culture in that room that uh, when you feel it and when you're all in, and all you want to do is win there's a feeling there and you're, and you're, and it's just like you walk in the airport and you're feeling it. You walk out of the airport, you get on the bus, go to the hotel. Like you feel it. You just, there's, there's something about your team. And when you're struggling, you say the same thing, right? It's just, it's, it's a tough thing to get out of. And when, when those three guys who are professional and they, and, and that they've scored everywhere they've gone and they've played offensive roles everywhere they've gone. It's, it's a tough thing when you don't score, and 7-1 was a great game for the Canucks. I mean, phenomenal game. That's, that's what you wanted. You wanted some team to come in here and give them the opportunity to break out. And they broke out seven goals. But you did not think that those seven goals were going to come from the players that it came from. You thought it was going to be a point night for the top line. And I think the top line probably expected it to be a point night for them. And when it didn't happen, they got frustrated. And speaking from experience, if I was ever put in a spot where I was going well and was scoring in the minors, I was scoring, I was put in against place in, in situations that were going to make me break out offensively. You're put on every power play, you know, three on three, basically any situation that you could get one and your coach knew that this might be the opportunity that you could break out and, uh, and start uh, feeling good about yourself again. Um, it's tough. Being a scorer is tough. And when you got to do it every day and every game in the best league in the world, that's a lot of pressure to have to take on before you even put on the skates. So you didn't necessarily – so even even if your team won 10-1 and you're scuffling, you don't necessarily feel like you're part of it in some respect, from, at least from no, your I don't think I don't think you do. I think you, you appreciate the win. There's no question that they appreciate the wins. And as a player, you appreciate the wins. But when you win 10-1 and you're supposed to be one of the guys that gets three or four in a game like that, you do not take it after the game as I did well. I put my I I put my stamp on that game. If you're a scorer, the only way you put a stamp on the game is to contribute, and that's scoring goals or at least setting up some goals, getting some points, feeling good. Three or four against the against this team should be what I expect to get. And if I don't get it, you you still feel that there's still that burden, right? Or so that weight that you're feeling. I'm not quite there yet, but. Uh, it's 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 tough, but they're going to get out of it. They're uh, I mean they're playing. Yes, Hershey says Ottawa's you know maybe win ten games this year. They're still playing in the NHL. There's still legitimate competition that's going to come out here and beat you every single game, and you still got to work harder. And if you don't outwork them, um, it's not going to come easy. Can Petey get out of this slump in a shift? In a period, does he need 60 minutes? Can it be a couple of really good plays that don't turn into goals? 
Well, what makes him, what, what will make, I, and I'm only going from experience, but if you score early, your game is going to be better. No question. If you go a period or, a, uh, or two, or you don't score until the last two minutes of the third period, that's a little harder because you've gone 58 minutes without, in your mind, contributing to what I want to do, right? But if you score early or if that line scores early, uh, it's, it's almost lookout, right? Because now they're feeling it. Now, they, now that little weight is gone a little bit and another one goes in and, and, and here we go again, right? It's, they they got to they gotta have a game that that group feels that, uh, yes, we did it. And uh, it's, it's going to take some time. There's no question because I don't think it's just one guy that's probably struggling. They all, they all are feeling it for each other. And uh, until they're all feeling it together, then um, we're still in here watching and hoping that it happens tonight. So do you, like, chirp the Arbutus store if the Ladner location has a big month and their sales? I, are I always tell Josh I'm going to win a cup before they do. <laughs> <laughs> There's competition everywhere you go. I, I hear you, it, even internally within the team. Yeah, uh, you but, have to have it. It's the way that makes they go, you know, you can't have eight hours of just sitting there wondering what's going on. you got to have some fun. Yeah, for sure. Nice to catch up. But I, thanks for the perspective. Hey, hey, Kenny, before we let you go, let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you chirp as a teammate? Would you chirp, chirp Pedersen right now? Would you chirp him as what? As like you just say, uh, hey man, he's gonna score this month. What's going on? My fantasy uh, you team. May, my it, it all depends. You know, I, I don't know Petey that well, right? I, I've never met him, and yeah. I just I just watch him for what it is. You got to be careful sometimes. Sometimes if if you're read fragile the room. in that, like you got to read right the room. Now, yeah, exactly. right now he has room, the score. You just want to make him as, as positive as possible. So right now, I probably wouldn't do it, but. Uh, you know, maybe after you get two or three, you say, hey, was that ever going to happen? Whatever you want to say. But uh, it's going to happen for them. There's no question. They're, they're too good of players to not have it. It just might take a little bit longer this year. Yeah. Well said. Read the room. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, thanks my friend. No, you're welcome. Good luck tonight. <laughs> They'll need it. No, it's Ottawa. Come on. Nobody needs luck against Ottawa. Uh, there he is, Mr. Hey. Fix-It, Ken Priestley, uh, Stanley Cup winner from Dunbar Lumber. Don't forget, you can visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or you can check him out online at DunbarLumber.com. We'll continue much more on this on the Dunbar Lumber te- uh, Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 if you want to weigh in. Your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. Ed Jovanoski will join the discussion as well. we got a lot more coming your way because it's game day. Canucks and Senators, round two here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Tierney for Branson, far side for Lannan, through the middle for Tierney, now for Connor Brown, in alone to the backhand, he's stopped by Demko with the right pad. Huge save from the Vancouver goaltender. Now here's Brandon Sutter breaking up a play from Stutzla, he's got a chance left wing to the net. Sutter deeks to the forehead, he scores! You need a hat? A tip of the cap to Brandon Sutter. He's got his first hat-trick in the NHL. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Yeah, I think the Canucks could use more of that tonight. Play more like Brandon Sutter, right? First career hat-trick last night. We'll see what uh, they can do for an encore tonight. Round two for the Senators and the Canucks tonight at Rogers Arena. It's a 5 o'clock puck drop. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you on this game day. And uh, last night, the busiest night of the NHL season last night. 26 teams involved. Anything catch your eye? 
12 of the 13 games were one goal games. Um, you know, I think if a lot of people have been betting the over, um, then, then that's something that you, you look at that now, hey, these games are, you know, they'll tighten up. There's not going to be a whole lot of gaps. And we sit here and fret and wonder with every shift that the Vancouver Canucks take. But, you know, you, James, you, you look at the standings and you go, well, you know, Edmonton fans this morning are going, how do we blow that lead? Calgary fans are going, my goodness, you got one shot in the first period. I mean, with the exception of Toronto, Montreal's back at it. Uh, you know, most fan bases are just kind of wondering what's going on right now. I, I think what we see in the standings now with Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, when Winnipeg gets Pierre-Luc Dubois there, I think those are your three teams that are playoff hockey teams. And then let those other four and sorry, Ottawa, let the other three battle it out to see who's there. Like this Vancouver Calgary series is going to be the difference maker. Tanif was great yesterday. If anybody watched that Calgary game on Sportsnet, but you needed a massive save there in the third period from Jacob Markstrom. Didn't get it to them. Um, there's issues everywhere in the North division. And I think that's what we have to get used to. You know, it's funny watching some of those goals from the Leafs last night. There were coming some of those ones that you, you know, the big rebound that Markstrom gives up on the first goal yep. and the Leafs put home. Didn't love that third goal that Markstrom allows. I mean, it took that Flames team about a half an hour to kind of finally wake up before they got into that. But I'll tell you what, I looked at the Jets being a playoff team in the North Division. A lot of people chirp me and laugh at me, but I think this is quickly establishing itself as three top-heavy teams. Um, now, the Habs haven't played a lot of games, but the Jets are 5-2 and two now. Leafs are six and two, and the Habs have yet to lose in regulation. I think your point is a valid one. That that's there's your cream of the crop right now in this early season, and you know you're still a week and a half away from you know PLD joining the lineup. Like that's like that's the strength of Winnipeg when you can afford to cut bait on an all-world winger like Patrick Line, and to have that sort of firepower where you don't miss a beat, like. You know, you forget about Nick Ehlers. Look at the night that Nick Ehlers had last night yeah. against the Oilers, right? And then Kyle Connor, you know, one of the best-kept secrets in hockey. You know, all he does is get you at least 30 goals every year, right? And we never talk about him, you know, with the Winnipeg Jets. Like, imagine that, a guy who just flies under the radar and gets you 30 consistently. Um, you know, you know, we haven't even touched on Shifley. Haven't even touched on Wheeler at that point. You know, and then you've got you've got a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender. Like Winnipeg's got what you need, right? Great goaltending yeah, no. and lots of firepower. And two years ago, they were kind of that Canadian team, right? You just were excited about what they had, and it, and it just didn't happen. But I honestly think they're a better hockey team when Luke Dubois is there. And their deficiencies on the blue line, hey, more minutes for the young players helps. But right down the middle, when you've got the goaltending that they have. I, uh, you know, I think we talked about it before. You just Winnipeg always kind of doesn't get a whole lot of respect. That's just the city, not even talking about the sports team. But I like how that Jets team is going on. And I kind of chuckle at Chris Wall, too, throwing in that Joe Sackick will have to make a decision. Do you keep Bowen Byram? He played more than anybody on the team yesterday. How that kid goes in in a weekend, he just 21 minutes, uh, three and a half minutes on the power play, over a couple minutes shorthanded, unbelievable with a couple of shots. Bo and Byram, it's not supposed to be this easy in week number one. I've guessed we've seen it with rookies here in Vancouver. But, boy, I got so much time for that kid. And I know it's not great news next year when we see Colorado and you know it's going to be a beast to get rid of those guys in years to come. But fun for Bo and Byram. 
Joe Sackick doesn't keep him there and says you're going back to junior, please, Joe Sackick would be out of a job. Well, I think you're also trying to figure out what you got, right? Like they've they've increased his minutes essentially three, four minutes a night since he since he started, right? And he's played four games now. Like he played eleven minutes last week in his debut. And then that climbs to fourteen, then eighteen, and then over twenty one last night. I you know, I I think right now you're still evaluating what you got at the NHL level. Like I don't know if it's a slam dunk to say he's staying put. I get what you're saying about the twenty one minutes, but I think you're trying to figure out what you've got here. But then compare that to the fifth overall pick in Ole Olevi, right? Who's averaging what, eleven minutes a night? Like obviously you're mm-hmm. you're feeling good enough to run him out there for twenty one minutes. Where Yolevi, you're still trying to, you know, oh, you don't want to put him too much on special teams. Like, man, it just it just speaks to where the development of certain players are in certain organizations. It's amazing what their blue line looks like. I mean, Kel McCarr has been unbelievable. I think they are testing it, but to have him in there to make the moves that they made uh, to kind of free up that spot to go, well, this would fit for Bowen Byram. I think he'd have to fall on his face. You keep on increasing the minutes. It's because, all right, he hasn't failed it there. Now, the funny thing is they went handily. He was minus one, but they're playing him in every situation. He doesn't look intimidated in the in the minutes that I've watched him play. I would be shocked if he's coming back to to do what? Like, where's the progress in Bowen Byram's hockey career if he gets sent back to Vancouver? There's none. Five minutes to eight o'clock. Your Canucks commute is next. It is game day. Senators, Canucks, and you got it locked in on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. Guys that are used to scoring and aren't get a little owly at times, a little grumpy. That's okay. Back to the line, Jordy Ben. Shot tip. They score. Elias Pettersson in front. And the weight of a piano just fell off Elias Pettersson's back. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. It's your Canucks commute here at the 8 o'clock hour on Sportsnet 650. Game day as the Senators and the Canucks get set to drop the puck on game number two of this three-game series. Pre-game show starting at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Puck drop at 5 with Batch and Hershey. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. We'll get to Ed Jobanowski momentarily on this game day and this hour of presentation of Surrey Honda. Go check out Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Um, Pair, look, you know, Pedersen gets his first goal of the season back on Saturday night on a redirect, and I think there was that sense that, okay, here we go. This is this will finally, you know, get that weight off his shoulders. I don't know if we saw any of that sort of positivity carry over against the Senators on Monday night, despite the fact that the uh, Canucks absolutely own the Senators 7-1, but... You know, I think there's still kind of a wait and see about when that big gun like Elias Pettersson gets going. <laughs> great call by Batch. Uh, Hershey and him will have the call. Uh, you know, great call. The weight of a piano off the back of Elias Pettersson. I think that was correct and apropos when he scored. But little did Batch or hockey fans know that when he turned the corner, someone would strap a fridge on his back. Like he's still carrying something, right? But I'll say this. I thought that game against Montreal on Saturday night, even though they lost, was probably the best of the three they played by creating opportunities. And then obviously what we saw on Monday, it's just the script was written by, by Sutter and by Mott, not by Pedersen and Miller. We saw the frustration again. I'm excited about tonight just to see what they do because the effort will be better by the opposition. But I'm also curious, James, for the first time, what do you do? Like Dan Murphy said, you and I have both kind of said, put that your Dempcon goal. I know you've been going back and forth, back and forth, but your team's trying to find a groove. He played well. 
He's had a day's rest. I'll be curious if that's the decision they make to say, yeah, it's Demko. So for the first time this year, goalie's going to go back to back. I mean, they play back to back nights. Does it? Do you put that much stock into who really starts tonight? Because you've got to play again tomorrow. Well, I do. I, I think it'd just be the first time that you go, hey, it's been one, one, one. Uh, I think it sets up very well that maybe you can go, the, the decision's not that difficult. But yeah, for the first time, if you go, it's Demko, to me, that's the right one. And we'll see if that's what he does. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, hey, look, they faced 36 shots the other night. I think the Canucks defensively played much better and kept many more shots, more to the periphery compared to those horrible scoring chances they were serving up to the Montreal Canadiens. Let's get the third member of the Ski Patrol in here, Ed Jovanovski, former Vancouver Canucks All-Star, number one in your heart, number 55 in the program. How you doing, Jovocop? Good morning, guys. I never asked you this I'm before, doing... but where did 55 come from? Uh, I guess when, when you're when you're drafted first overall by by a team, and you show up to training camp and you're 59, <laughs> um, I, I, I never really understood that one. But it was just like, hey, kid, this is you know you got to earn the jersey with a new uh, franchise so wore, too, four, right? I, right. I wore 14. I, I wore 14 in Windsor, um, so 14 was my number. Stu Barnes wore 14. So when I cracked the lineup, I didn't really f- think 59 was kind of the number. So I said, eh, let's go at 55. It's good enough. But no, no really importance behind it. No, and unbeknownst to me, Shane O'Brien, who will be on Reach Deep, uh, as he is every Wednesday, wore 55 because of you. I, you know, I actually I went on with uh, Obi on his uh, – him and Cooley uh, on his, uh, his XM NHL show – and he was telling me about that, so I was flattered. I was honored. Uh, <laughs> Am I that old? Well, <laughs> Apparently. I'll, I'll tell you what. You, uh, here, I'll test you. Do you know the significance of this date back in 2003? Um, I was tipped off. I was handed a three-year deal. Well, you tipped off. You didn't know, though, that if producer Mike didn't tell you, you signed a three-year extension with the Canucks on this day? I, I did, but he shorted me like $6 million. Oh, really? What was it for? He, he goes, yeah, Jovo. They they signed you three years, nine million. I'm like, oh, I thought it was three years, fifteen. <laughs> it ended up being nine million with the uh, losing the year and then the twenty four percent rollback. So. <laughs> yeah, so he's just giving you the fact. <laughs> you want to break? Dollar. You want to take the tax off it too? It was six yeah. million. Yeah, the Canadian dollar in two thousand three was a big win uh, at the time as right. well. Um, it's it, listen. We were talking about this about uh, half an hour ago with Ken Priestley, who had won a cup with the Penguins back when, and just talking about whether it's fair or foul to chirp a guy, a teammate when they're scuffling. Do you go there with somebody like Petey, or does it really depend on how that player is wired? I mean, I feel like with some buddies you can get away with that sort of stuff, and then there's other buddies who are just you know that dude's a sensitive mofo. Right. And it's a fine line, right? I mean, you know, Petey, I, I, I don't, I don't know him. I've never met him, but he seems like a quiet guy and takes everything pretty, pretty hard. And I'm sure he's trying everything. He's changing things up, uh, try to get going. So it all depends. I, I think if you're a couple guys that you're really close to him, you can almost beak him a little bit, but I don't see everybody kind of going there. Cause as much as it's affecting Petey, it's probably affecting a lot of the guys too, because 
you know, I've been part of teams where everyone wants, you know, the guy next to him to do well. So when you see a guy struggling like that, who has enormous, you know, amount of talent, uh, you want to do whatever it takes to kind of push him through it. And, you know, especially game days, I would say it's offside going there. Um, off days, you can make light of something because we all know what kind of player he is. He's going to get out of this. You know, I, I think it's just confidence is, is, is a touchy thing. And when it's not going your way, you know, things can snowball. But, you know, work, work, work and continue to work and you'll find your way out of it. You will break the tie of two previous NHLers on this question. JT Miller slamming his stick against the boards and breaking it, an audible F me, what am I doing type of thing. Corey Hurst said teams wouldn't like it, teammates wouldn't like it, we were winning the game. Cam Prinsley said it's his way of letting out frustration, wouldn't bother me. So break the tie as an NHLer. Your teammate does that, you're in control of the game. Are you bothered by it? It shows me that the guy cares, you know, whether you're winning or losing. I mean, is he doing it when they're losing games, breaking things? I mean, when you're when your team's winning, I can see, you know, where guys can look at it a little differently where, you know, but these, these top guys that produce, um, you know, he hasn't scored, you know, so, you know, he's ticked off and he's showing his frustration. Um, I wouldn't mind if that frustration kind of carries over in the locker room, maybe not showing, you know, everybody out there that you're, you're, you're super frustrated. Um, it, it parry both ways. I, I mean, I've been a part of teams where, you know, we win, we win games and, and, and the guy, um, you know, comes in, he's all, you know, pissed off a goaltender. I think I told you guys this story. It's actually, it's Brizgalov. He came in there and guys almost tuned him in. Like, screw your stats. You know, you're playing for the jersey. And, um, Eddie, tell you know, that story again for, for people. We won for the people, game. Yeah. For people, for people who don't know that story, expand, ex explain the, uh, lay it out for them. Well, it, it was, it was a game that we were up, you know, five or six, nothing. And then they ended up scoring four or five goals and say we won six, five. Well, Briz came in the locker room and started snapping on everyone. And, it's not like, you know, the player wants to allow, you know, a team back into it, but sometimes, you know, a team catches momentum. The team that's up is kind of, you know, sits back a little bit and before you know it, you're in one. Regardless, we won the game. He came in and started snapping and one guy grabbed him by the throat and said, listen, you know, we won the game. Don't you dare do this again. So, um, you know, it's policed and, you know, it's over with, but I think, you know, we all play this game to win. And I think if if you win as a group, everybody reaps those benefits. So no one wants, you know, guys to, you know, struggle. So that's why in this position where, where you have guys that are, you know, struggling, everybody's got to kind of give that encouragement. Hey, listen, you can do it. You know, you can work your way out of it. And ultimately it comes to the player, right? You know, how, how are you going to battle for that puck? How hard are you going to not be denied? Uh, and it's a snowball effect that gets you out of these situations. Ed Jovanovsky joining us, as he always does on Wednesday mornings. Uh, Jovo, you know, we found out over the weekend that, that Pedersen's changing agents. He's going with the big dogs, leaving someone who would have been them, with them from the start. Man, you guys go play hockey, and as a fan, we're not supposed to care what's going on in your world. You just put on the skates, go play. 
but it's not that easy, is it? Like, do you think that could be throw his struggles in, throw the fact that he's expecting a big payday? So guess what? The new agent is making the money. The old agent who's been with him since day one is not going to anymore. Possible that it had an effect on him? Well, I think the old the old agent might get something. You know, um, I switched agents too prior to coming into the league, and I know it was a difficult thing to do. Um, listen, I, I I think for for this situation, I think it's all confidence for Petey. I mean, he's he's playing for an organization where he's had sixty plus points in his first couple years. Um, there's a you know enormous amount of pressure on him. He's a cornerstone of this franchise, and when things don't go well, uh, a lot everything's magnified. And it's early on in the year. There's still a lot of hockey to be played. Um, I, I don't think the, the the agent switching is is something that he can you know look at as you know why you know things aren't going his way right now. You know that's something that's a business decision that. For whatever reason, there's changes to be made. Um, you know, hockey's still played, you know, the same. You just got to go out there and kind of create your luck. And when I say luck, and part of it is, right, guys? I mean, you get a little puck luck, uh, go your way. It, it can turn things around. But how you get that luck is, you know, by working hard and not being denied. And he'll get there. Yeah, I mean, at some point, right? I guess it's at what point do you... I mean, I think overwhelmingly the majority of people responding on this are, are kind of the, uh, you know, hey, he'll figure it out. But at what point, at what point does it become a concern, right? Like you got a big road trip looming next week. Um, you know, I think everybody's still trying to stay the course and stay positive. When do, when does it stop being positive? Well, if Vancouver has one loss right now and and Petey's in the same position, is is the rhetoric the same? Yeah, I think you know, so. I, I think I, I I think the team, you know, listen, the team hasn't performed up to, you know, you know their potential right now, and top players aren't producing, so it's kind of a, you know, double whammy. Um, you know, at what point? I I don't know. I don't know, James. I think it's it'd be it'd be nice for him to to really you know start tonight and and get on the board and and feel good. I think you're playing a team where you can get a lot of opportunities. Um, so look to tonight for him to maybe break open. But um, yeah, I think it goes a couple more games like this. You got to start, you know, finding out what's going on or, or, you know, how things can change. But we all know how this game works. It's, it's you know, kind of ebbs and flows. And sometimes even star players go through slumps. And you know, you just got to, I mean, show him video, show him what he did last year, show him great games where he had success. Um, but what teams recognize is, you know, top players are going to get that extra attention. You got to find a way to kind of be elusive and, and, and stay away from these situations and get to that open icing, create your ice and, and find that, you know, hole in the area where you can get some little bit of ice to, to do your magic. But no, listen. No one's gonna just roll over. Ottawa Senators. I mean, these guys are professional athletes playing in the NHL. Hey, Pedersen slumping. Let, let, let's let's have him have him night here tonight. I mean, they're gonna play him hard. They know he's struggling, so they're gonna continue being on him. It's up to uh, Petey to find that way to kind of, you know, break open and break loose from the uh, from the extra tension that he's gaining. 
I would imagine if you're a top D man and you're playing a power forward and you're playing three games against him, you're going, man, I'm going to get rung. They're, they're going to dump it in. I got to get to the corner before he hammers me. Um, would you rather play a finesse guy like PD three games in a row? Is it easier to make adjustments knowing that just don't get, don't watch the puck, man, watch him. Do you think he could be easier to play against? Well, I think in, in the state that he's right now, where you know, is a little fragile in, in the confidence area. Yeah. I mean, because you feel as the defender, you know, this guy's struggling and he's not really going to, you know, try much. He's, he's definitely not going to, you know, even if he does chip the puck in, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to battle and I'm going to get the puck. But, you know, I always thought the guys like a guy like Pavel Datsuk, who doesn't hit, you know, but is so finesse and, and so dangerous with the puck that these guys were the most dangerous to play against because they have the ability to make moves and at a, such a high speed that, you know, make your head spin. And that's where Petey needs to get back to. That's what made him so effective and so dangerous is when he does things at a high rate of speed and, and the whole team does, especially through the neutral zone, they're a hard team to defend. And I think a little bit going back to that, but, you know, sometimes uh, going back to your question, I, I, I think, you know, when, when things aren't going well, you know, what's, what's the talk in the locker room? I know from past experience, hey, this guy's struggling. Get on him early. Make him quit. Make him quit. He, he's not going to want anything to do with it. But, you know, for the player, he's got to find a way to get through that, and star players usually do. On the flip side, you look at Ottawa, and, I mean, everybody kind of picked them to finish last in the north, and after kind of a promising opening night where they beat the Leafs, they've proceeded to lose every game since. What's that like trying to keep your head above water early in the season and you feel like it's getting away already? I mean, DJ Smith's making four changes to the lineup going into tonight's game, but, I mean, what's that like in the room? I think you've been there on occasion. Yeah, it's it's not fun, and we talked about it before at length. Sometimes during the season you can be out of the playoffs by, say, if it was a normal year by Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. you know, and then you're, you're kind of playing out the year and it's you're coming to the rink. No one wants to be there, um, especially, you know, now with all the all the all, with all the rules no fans kind of i don't know what they're doing away from their rink pretty much hanging out in their hotel room so it gets you know you get down and you come into the rink but it's a haven it's a safe haven where you go there and do your job right so they're they're gonna have that compete they got their butts kicked last game you know dj is gonna have them going but you got to look at this game for vancouver uh you know you're jumping the oilers you know, get into that fourth spot. So I think it's a huge game for Vancouver to build off what they did last game and, and, and build that momentum, you know, get that good feeling. And hopefully on top of winning, you get a few of your guys going tonight where you can really kind of mesh and feel good about everything. Brandon Sutter and I, talk. And I'd play Demko too. I'm with you guys tonight. I think you've got to ride, you know, him and get some, you know, at least for him, some consistency in there. Eddie, is it a different to have a, a a slow start than it is to have a slump in the midseason? Right? I mean, they've got no positive to gain on, but everybody goes through three or four games where it just doesn't happen for them. Is it different when it comes out of the gate? Well, yeah, because you look, you you just when you're starting the season. I mean, yeah, you can look at the big picture, right? Hey, listen, on a regular season, you know, we got. You know, lose the first one, we got 81 more games, boys. But you start losing seven, eight games in a row right out of the gate. Um, it's human nature to feel like 
you're kind of toast, but St. Louis kind of defied all those odds, right? I mean, a slow start, you still have an opportunity to get back into it. You know, I I think a slump, whether it's in the start or mid-season, you know, they're both can affect you in, in, in the same way where you're slipping down the standings and you're having that much of a tougher time climbing back into things. Um, so it's imperative for teams to be as consistent as possible, you know, throughout the year. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for this. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and congratulations for signing that $15 million deal years ago yeah. on this day. I appreciate it. It was a happy time. I remember I was at, uh, you know, where was I? I keep forgetting that restaurant in West Vancouver where we had a rookie party. I never understood why we had a rookie party on the other side of the bridge when we had downtown Vancouver to tangle with. Mm. Yeah, that's logic. Jovo, I still remember the day. I, I still remember that during the playoffs of one year, it was hammering rain, I think, every day for about six weeks straight. And it was a playoff series, I think, opening up against the Wild and I said, man, is the family excited about all this going on right now? And you're like, they're all in Maui. They're sick of the rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maui was kind of the travel destination for the family in Vancouver. And um, I, I hope they enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no sarcasm there. I hope they enjoyed the sunshine while I'm working like yeah. a dog. And now my yeah. hips are dead. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> Thanks, Jovo. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Enjoy the Eddie. Weekend. There he is. Uh, Ed Jovanovsky. Uh, kind of diving into uh, where things are at and from a, from a psyche standpoint with the Vancouver Canucks. And, Per, you know what? This has come up a lot over the last uh, week or so in terms of where the Canucks are at. And I think, you know, I don't think we question the skill level but it's the it's all between the ears it seems right now for the Vancouver Canucks and it's kind of been at length where you know the importance of look we can all debate and i think there's been some revisionist history in terms of whether or not people wanted to commit to the 6 years and the money with Jacob Markstrom or the term that even Chris Tanev got but even though you cut bait on those guys and i understand the business element of it because i was certainly on board with those decisions with the term that those guys were getting but it still doesn't take away the fact that those guys were clearly, clearly more important voices than I think a lot of us realized, given the impact of this team's psyche right now. Well, listen, all we can do is ask questions. And when we get the opportunity, we do to talk to guys who have made a living in a room and travel and understand the importance. Bieksa started it Monday when we said, what's the problem? Because you really want me to tell you, Chris Tanner, uh, Ken Priestley mentioning it, now Jovo. You know, people are eventually replaceable, but it takes time. Who will become? Like, are we thinking that there will never be a Vancouver Canucks defenseman that blocks shots again like Chris Tanev? There will be, but there's just no one out of the gate that can do that yet. And, you know, these guys and and the mental capacity, it's the one thing I hate come playoff time, James, when we get to cliches. Don't get too high about the wins and don't get too low about the losses. That's not what fans do. Man, we have ridden a roller coaster for eight games here already in this shortened season. And we're waiting for more. And the guy conducting all of it still is struggling. But you know what? If he's not too low, and I don't know if that's the case, we'll see it bounce back at this point. But you need to go and develop character by having some adversity. It's amazing the adversity that this team seems to have been through in the first two weeks. Yet, they're not out of it, right? I went tonight. 
Yeah, they played a lot of hockey games. Maybe a win again tomorrow. And in 48 hours, you can take a sigh of relief and go, hey, we're a 500 hockey team. That's okay. And we've been poor in the first 10 games. I think, you know, it does speak volumes that the expectations rose. There was a genuine sense so that, high. hey, look, well, you know, and I don't think anybody said Stanley Cup or bust, but, you know, this team took some strides last year, especially in the playoffs. And, it's okay to have greater expectations, but I think there was also a thought that maybe this team could take a step back, and a lot of people didn't want to accept that, and that's where we are right now because the internal growth. And, hey, look, you know what? Bo Horvat has turned out to be a better offensive player than I ever imagined. You know, the, the sense that he'd turn out to be a solid second-line center, what we're seeing from him, his offensive upside is higher than I thought. But right now, Hughes, Pedersen, Miller, the guys that were, you know, big-time bus drivers last season, they're not those guys this year. And at some point, you hope it's going to turn around, and I think the logic says, yes, sure. But the question is when. And for this team to be able to win and contend for a playoff spot, buddy, they're going to have to get these guys going or else it's going to be a long season. Well, and, and quickly, when, when you're looking at the all-positive and you go, hey, they took some strides. They did. They did it in the playoffs. And if you go, well, but they lost Markstrom, you'd go, hey, hey, but Thatcher Demko was the guy in the postseason. Yeah, but now they don't have Tyler Toffoli. Hey, but Tyler Toffoli was hurt for most of that postseason run. So really all you go is, well, we're missing Tanif and Stetcher, but we've upgraded with Nate Schmidt and Hamannick. Uh, So that was the card you were playing, right? But you forget about what it took to get there, right? Was this a hockey team we're basing it all on two weeks or one that's got to go through it all? I understand, and I don't mind the moves. But it's a growing process that we have to see right now and have to see it click in. Will Pedersen turn it around? He has to turn it around. Not the, like the entire hockey world was not wrong in reading this guy's ability in two seasons. But the question is when and how long is this slump? Because if he doesn't go, you're going to be sputtering to see if you can find yourself in the playoffs. And if he doesn't go, you may find yourself out of it sooner than you'd like. 26 minutes after 8 o'clock. Uh, how long do we wait and stay calm before we should start to get concerned about Elias Pettersson? We'll get to that next. Plus, the Dunbar Lumber text line is open, 650-650. If it's any encouragement for anybody that is a Canucks fan that's worried about this team right now, Jovo just texted to say, I hammered the Canucks again tonight to put some money on them to win. So there you go. You got that sort of encouragement from Ed Jovanovski. Back with more in a moment here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 8.32, Sabalski, Solkowski taking you to the top of the clock. It is game day, round number two between the Canucks and Senators later on this evening. It's a 5 o'clock puck drop pregame show with Batch, Hershey, Walk, Sat, everybody coming your way at 3 o'clock. And look, He'll be fine. That is the consistent narrative we've often heard about Elias Pettersson's slow start. Don't panic. People don't panic. Yeah, it's easy to channel Big Bertuzzi and shrug it off. He's earned himself a long runway in this town, but how much longer can we all keep it up with this sort of mindset? Watching Petey pass up an open shot the other night on the power play kind of reminded our starting lineup mad genius DJ APD of this scene from Top Gun. We could have had it, man. I'm a fire when I am goddamn good and ready. You get that? You can't get back in the saddle. Won't engage. 
It's only been a few days. You know, he just might not make it back. Huh. Well, right now, 14% of the season is played out. Petey's on pace right now for a 14-point campaign. Doesn't feel like this is going to continue, but statistically, it's not pretty for Petey, even beyond his lack of goals. Corsi numbers are down roughly 16% from last year, translating to the Canucks playing way more without the puck when he's on the ice than before. This is also a surprise given that the 22-year-old is starting nearly 20% of the time more in the offensive zone than he was last year. In short, he's basically chasing the puck way more than opponents are chasing him. But, as many of us keep telling ourselves, Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. So how much longer do we continue to play the he's fine card? When Pedersen's been on the ice, the Canucks have yielded 25 more scoring chances than they've actually created with their offensive maestro. The numbers all suggested that a market correction is due. His shooting percentage is less than 6% right now, and he was close to 17% finishing on his chances a year ago. It's ugly, but he's not the only one to experience this sort of stumble in the early stages of their career. Nathan McKinnon. One of the best players in hockey right now. His offensive output dropped by 25 points in his second year. Jerome McGinley, Iggy, saw a drop of 18 points. Even Patrick Waugh saw a step backwards in his career. After winning the Cup in 1986, St. Patrick's save percentage dropped 50 points and his goals against average more than doubled, went up more than two goals in his second playoff appearance. See, he's not alone. Well, don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Look, Petey's human. Every player is. Right now, it's between the ears for the kid who looked to be too cool for school, but he isn't right now. But for how much longer can you be patient when your best player's struggling? With a six-game road trip looming against the Jets, the Habs, and the Leafs, right now the big three in the North Division, followed by four straight against Jacob Markstrom and the Flames, the answer kind of feels like these two games against Ottawa is all the runway he's got left. If Vancouver has any shot at making the playoffs in this division, they need all hands on deck, especially the ones many view as the chosen one. So don't worry, but by the 10-game mark, all bets are off. I feel no man, but that thing, it scares me. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. I don't know what the rest of your day is, but, but come towards my house and, and go for a long walk in the woods. Breathe in some fresh air. Enjoy nature and relax rather than you now throwing along the heap that you've had for 10 and forever. Ole Olevi forever. Now you're getting your 1-800 junk trunk and saying, hey, 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 Petey, Petey's got two games left. Man, you may as well, uh, you may as well stop by here on the weekend. I might be throwing number 40 there because I'm checking all these stats from previous years of star players. And, you know, I, I, they're better than him. 
Oh, no, but Mr. Sobolski, what about the pandemic? There's no people in the audience. These guys are essentially quarantined. They had no preseason. No, it doesn't matter. Petey, Petey's not very good this year. Man, I, I understand it. And some people were saying this week was going to be massive against Ottawa. Really? Like if they lost all these games, it was done. You're going to do it. Panic button is crazy. You know, we're asking people on Twitter, are, are you worried about Petey? Yeah, it's disappointing he's off to a slow start. But thankfully, more so than you, James, about 60% of them are going, you know what? Yeah, he'll, he'll figure this thing out. And he doesn't get just two games, James. Do you think he's only going to score this year against Ottawa? Like he won't be able to do anything against Montreal? He wasn't going to do anything against St. Louis or, or the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs? He did stuff there. Why won't he do it against the better teams? And it's just got to be the bottom feeders in Ottawa. I think at this point next week, if he's still not going, I think it's a big problem. Why is it not okay to be critical of your best player who's struggling right now? The problem well, is where... No, 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 okay no, being critical. You said he's got two games left. Yeah. Big trouble if he doesn't yes. score in the next two. And because you're going on six games. How did it work out for Montreal and Vancouver in the three games here last week, Pear? Like, I, I just at what point, at what point do you look at, at the problem for this team right now that is plaguing this club and the fact is that your best players aren't that right now. Look, I think everybody fell in love with Elias Pettersson for the first two years in this league. But, man, like his play right now is killing this team. You know, Brian Burke alluded to this on Hockey Night in Canada. This is a top-heavy roster, right? Like, Don't expect Brandon Sutter to bail this team out every night with a hat trick like we saw two nights ago. Petey's got to play better. This team will go as far as their stars will take them. That's it, man. And he's not playing well right now. And if he struggles all season long, this team will not be a playoff team. Man, they're six points back of the Leafs right now. Both those teams have played eight games. I, you know, I know, I know it sounds like it's still early, but six points, even at this time of the year, it's not nothing. Six points, you've got three games looming with the Leafs next week, right? Like their stars are going right now. You need your stars to go. You cannot rely on Tyler Mott. Obviously, it's apparent that Jake Vertanen's not getting it done offensively, right? Horvat's doing what he can, but you need Petey going. And I think everybody wants to root for the guy, but at this point in time, like if he's not going this time in Montreal and Toronto, man, it's a major problem for this team. Uh, they gave the MVP award to Jacob Markstrom. Who would you have given the MVP award to last year if it wasn't a goalie? JT Miller. Okay, so maybe there's maybe there's start number one. Who who's going to affect if PD plays well? Do you think that brings JT Miller's game along, or do you think it's the opposite? JT Miller playing well, number forty plays better. Sorry, you cut out there for a second. What was that? Are really are I just wanted to answer. Who do you think can can spark up the other's game? JT Miller playing well brings PD along. Or Petey playing well brings JT Miller along. Oh, is it not a symmetry? You know, look, I, I, I would look, say there's, no, a, there's I, an emotional. I, I think okay. it's close. I think sure. JT Miller's the yeah. instigator. Uh, you know what? I think, uh, sure. But at what point? But the, but but is at some point do we not look at Petey being the driving force of this team? Like I think you just can't always look and defer to JT Miller as being the the guy who kickstarts Petey. I understand the importance of his role and what he does for Petey. 
But don't you cannot tell me that the same player that we've fallen in love with, and it's easy to say, look, he's getting his chances, he's getting his good looks, he's you know he's still engaging defensively in the two-way game. That's not there from Pedersen right now, man. It is not there. You cannot say like it's right there, ready to snap out of it. He is a different player right now, and it's unfortunate. It's painful to watch, man. I empathize with the guy, but it's got to turn around for this team to win. Yeah, and it's a slump. And every player in the NHL who is considered a playmaker and a scorer at some point goes through a slump. Usually the slump means you've already started off well and you've done something and then you go through a stretch. Bo Horvat talked about it. The 20-plus games he went to without scoring. We talked about him last year to start the season go, Bo's okay, but he's not scoring any goals. Now he's a different player, so he can defend a little more and more robust, so we gave him the old 200-foot game. Petey's made some decent defensive plays, but right now we have never seen him in two years play with such little confidence. Does that mean he has forgotten everything he's learned about the game of hockey? No. Does that mean he could bust out, as people are suggesting, for four points tonight? Yes. Some suggesting throw him on the wing with Horvat. Does Travis Green go that far and play him out of position? I don't think so. I don't think there's a place to put Pedersen other than you're in the top six. It's as simple as that. You're always going to be in our top six. We don't have anything better when you see him not on a power play, and I look at the power play too, as effective as it's been, and a lot of it's been the little one-timer up high for Horvat, but it's not like the puck has gone to die on a stick half the time. They're whipping it around the umbrella, seeing what they can do, find the shot, rattle one off the goalpost on the weekend. Uh, it's coming. I think he's been better in the last couple of games, and it was just like, how are you not feasting in a seven-goal game? He wasn't there. But to think that these two games against Ottawa – if he can't get going against the Senators, he'll never get going against Montreal, I think is foolishness. But I also think it's it's you could be even more concerned if he's still not going by the end of this two-game series, and that's my point. Dunbar-Lumber text line, 650-650. Uh, Glenn and Victoria, Seaball, give it up. I don't like to start my day off depressed. Bill and Burnaby, Petey is getting two goals and an assist tonight. Miller, two goals. Besser, one. Relax, Canucks Nation. There's some positivity there. Apparently you needed that. Somebody's suggesting it might be a girl problem for Petey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? He's frustrated, right? Yeah. Uh, James and Qualcomm Beach, you, you're seeing him take some penalties. He's frustrated. We've seen it. J, JT uh, Miller is frustrated. Those two guys and that lotto line, and Brock Besser has been good, feel that they should be in the conversation with the best lines in the NHL. And you know what? I think they should be. They're not right now. And they're going, how do we get back there, guys? We've got everything we want on this line. In fact, the one guy who needed to step up his game did in the offseason. Brock Besser's been better. That's what you want in a line who's frustrated. You know, Bert joins us every Tuesday, Tarber Tuesday, and we ask him about slumps. He goes, you know, honestly, I think we produced, you know, for three years in a row, we were consistent. Well, we could probably go back and find some games where they struggled. And right now, we have wanted hockey so bad. We've wanted to watch these guys so bad. Here they are. And now, here it is. The best guys are struggling right now. Trust me, they're not paid the money they are. The expectations, if they were average players looking for them to find consistency, they'll get back to it. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they light it up tonight and go, thanks, Sutter, thanks, Mott. We'll take it from here. Let's hope. Uh, our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question this morning uh, at Sportsnet 650, how concerned are you about the play of Elias Pettersson? Uh, 6% of you say you're freaking out. 31% of you say you're getting nervous. And 62% of you are not concerned at all, saying he'll be fine. So 
the overwhelming majority, Perry, are still with positive Perry this morning. Have to be right. I just, I just don't like your. Listen, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't think these two games in this week against Ottawa were going to be life changing for anybody. It's going to be a long time to get things going here, and uh, Pedersen will have big games this year, and it won't just be against the Ottawa Senators. He will do it against Jacob Markstrom. He will do it against everybody that he plays against. Because when you look at this North Division and you say who are the superstars in this league. Uh, he belongs in the first tier of five guys going, he's one of the superstars. I can't see him falling off the earth like this today. Bad start that he'll figure out. Uh, we'll try to pick you some winners tonight and uh, look ahead to the Scott Rintoul Show all coming up next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, Sportsnet 650. Can't take a win and then come back and not be ready to play the next game. So I think just coming into the next one with, uh, you know, that sense of urgency and, and, you know, being ready to play right from the puck drop is uh, going to be huge for us. You need to build off these, these types of wins and, and not just be satisfied with just winning the first game. It's kind of like I said, it's a mini playoff series, a college series, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, it's hard to do this when, you know, teams make adjustments, games two and three. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Aaron there from Nate Schmidt and Zach McEwen and lots of adjustments uh, planned by the Senators, it looks like, for this afternoon or this evening's game. Five o'clock puck drop. It uh, looks like Colin White, Cedric Paquette, Braden Coburn all expected to draw into Ottawa's lineup and a goaltending change as well as Holberg expected to replace Murray after a tough night as the Senators got blasted 7-1. Uh, pre-game show starts 3 o'clock this afternoon. Puck drop at 5 from Rogers Arena with Corey Hirsch and Brendan Batchelor. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, just about uh, done for the morning. Uh, Tyler Mott scheduled to join Scott Rintoul on the Scott Rintoul show coming up at 9 o'clock. And how do you see this one playing out tonight? Uh, I think it'll be a better hockey game um, from the opposition, more competitive. But I, I think the one thing with the Vancouver Canucks with all this, they win 7-1 and no one was throwing any bouquets their way, right? There's still a lot of issues. Um, as Nate Schmidt had said yesterday, hey, man, everyone likes streak and Frank the Tank. This team, you can flounder, but the only way you make it up is, is to go on a little bit of a run. So uh, you can't just show up and play. I think they will work really hard. I do think tonight might be the night where actually the big boys come up and play and get it going. So I, I think the Canucks are winning tonight. I, I think they're winning all three in this series. Well, that would certainly change the narrative here. It would get them back to 500. I like the under for tonight's game. I, I think Ottawa will be better tonight. I think there's a lot of urgency. This kind of speaks to your theory that you've kind of told everybody for the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, the team that has a little more urgency, uh, and I think Ottawa has a lot more urgency. I do think Vancouver takes care of business tonight, but I like the under. I think this will be a tighter checking affair as both teams will try to kind of clean things up this evening as uh, just two games in the NHL. Last night was the busiest game of the schedule for this season. With 26 teams playing tonight, you're back down to two uh, two games tonight with Chicago and Nashville, the other one. Yeah, and I'm flying in the uh, in the face of my theory that has uh, been good to anybody who's been listening to it. Take the team that loses the first game because that other game is Chicago-Nashville. And I'll take the Predators who won for the first time in three games yesterday. They outshot the Hawks almost double, 39-20 to 20 before winning in overtime. I think Nashville, which is a team, man, I would hate to get a read on that Nashville team. Haven't been able to for like five years. But I do think uh, the Preds will better get the better. You're blind. You're, yeah, you know what? After... You're you're blinded by the regional bias. I think in Nashville, that's why the Ryan well, Johansson yeah, and the Dante Fabro. Right? So yeah. many local guys. You yeah. 
you just looked at that team on paper. They should always be better, and they're not. Yep. So uh, we'll see. And Chicago shouldn't be as good as they are, but they've shown that they've got a little bit of gumption, a little bit of desire there too. So, yeah, after a fun night where uh, 12 of the 13 games were decided by a goal, only two tonight. And I like the fact that Canucks get home early, everybody, because they're here at 5 o'clock start, a reminder um, for the Canucks and Ottawa game too. Is there a better rookie name out there than Pius Suter, right, for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks? I mean, Niels Hoaglander's pretty good, but Pius Suter, he's almost like a pope. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Some yeah. some royal family somewhere. Yeah. No, he, Pius is playing in the NHL. <laughs> there you are. No, he's the, you know what? He's he's a rugged cardinal in Vatican City, right? He's a suitor, <laughs> but he's pious. So pious. A reminder, suitor, everybody, too, uh, today, James. Uh, uh, remind everybody, too, and watch it. Listen to it on telecast. You'll see it on television, too. Mm-hmm. Hockey Talks. So uh, be aware. Do what you can. Uh, the conversation since 2011 carried on after the passing of Rick Rippon. Imperative today, Hockey Talks Day here on Sportsnet. Uh, we got to get out of here. We're back at it tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Brian Burke at 7 a.m. Don't forget your homework assignment as well. Canucks in a song. Watch the game. Tell us what song comes to mind watching this performance tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow right here on your home of the Canucks. Game day, people. Sportsnet 650.